Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. TK is back with us again today, starting to become more of a formality. Who knows? The matchup we'll be getting into today is 2013's Gangster Squad versus 2002's Gangs of New York. Obviously a coincidence that those two titles were put together and not something I thought was amusing three months ago when we started composing it. How are we all doing today? Yeah, I'm all right. Better than you, by the sounds of your your previous phone call. No, I've just seen uh, the Van Nistelrooy penalty against Arsenal flash up on the TV, and it's, it's giving me like a shot of adrenaline. Um, Is that the one so, he misses? Yeah, off, off the bar. The yeah. yeah. Fergie says it keeps him up at night, so makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, you genuinely do sound happier than you did a matter of two minutes ago. That's a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's one of them where I could just keep watching. So that was probably what the creator of Vine or whatever. Just thought, what? <laughs> I want to watch that Vinistro penalty over and over again, but I don't want to have a gif. What can I do? And that's what he went for. All right, Vine. Week, this week, not too much, but as always, I will take you through what I think may interest you. And Keenan, one that I think will particularly interest you. Oh, will boy. Ferrell might be the villain in the new Barbie movie, according to set photos. Horrendous. <laughs> Have you seen any of the pictures from that? Uh, I did, yeah. Yes, yesterday I saw a photo of uh, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. Is that what that was from? Is it? I only yeah. saw the picture. <laughs> Sorry. I, I assume that's what it's It from, is, anyway. yeah. Dare I, I say... Um, I probably should have put two and two together, though. <laughs> My bad. Not, not that... Uh, she ever looked off kilter but i'd say she looks like she's had some new life breathed into her maybe she's not playing psychopaths so much anymore like i tonya and uh all the ones for the last couple of years her in the joan of arc one was rough so that feels very much like the easiest casting in the world margot robbie and ryan gosling barbie <laughs> and ken yeah him as ken especially in fluorescent pink rollerblading like <laughs> I don't know what film this is where then Will Ferrell's in that, but as a villain. But yeah, I was going to say, does, does Barbie have a villain? Uh, yeah. It might be very uh, Zoolander-esque, that kind of villain. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Does he need, <laughs> does he need the money? Uh, I mean, the fact he did that Sherlock Holmes film and the fact that, as we've done over, um, he got dropped out and won't work with Adam Scott anymore. Adam McKay. That's the one, yeah. As, as I said, Adam Scott, I questioned it. Um, yeah, as they won't work together anymore, maybe he does need the money. Maybe he does. Has he got guys? Has he got kids? I don't I know, know, but it's like it. Maybe it's one of them. Like, does Floyd Mayweather need to keep fighting for five million in a Dubai airport? No, but it is also five million. So, I imagine <laughs> Will Ferrell probably feels similar. Well, yeah, I was thinking, like, I get, I sort of get. If you've got kids, do something that, like, and you've got enough, you just do something that they'll think's cool now, don't you? Like. Ultimately, no matter what Will Ferrell does, that Sherlock Holmes is yeah, it's, it's bad. Like, yeah. if I mean, Land of the Lost, he probably should have started having some uh, reflecting. Then the man doesn't know how to say no. <laughs> but the point around it being, I mean, 
like regardless of it, you can't take away his bigots. They will always, no, they will always no. be gold. So now he can just sort of do what he wants. Yep. Um, Guy Ritchie will be directing Disney's live-action Hercules. Oh God! Didn't we have a live-action Hercules about four years ago? Yeah, the, I mean, this is made by Disney, so I imagine it'll be quite literally the Disney story. Um, there's a campaign online to get uh, Danny DeVito as uh, Phil. I don't even know what creature that is in the uh, Disney one, but the little short, hairy thing is a little, little, little centaur, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was going to say centaur, but he doesn't look quite as graceful as they do in like uh, Mr. Tumnus, for example. Maybe he's a dwarf one. Maybe he is, which... Where centaur's I mean, horses? Have they got like, four legs? I don't really know. I don't think... I, I haven't watched the guy Richie Aladdin, so maybe I shouldn't be speaking, but the trailer enough was told me <laughs> I don't need another one of these. I don't know. I don't know the whole point of the live-action Disney ones anyway. The Lion King one baffled me. The Jungle Book one, I think, bombed. They somehow done a Lady of the Tramp one. Because it's not live action when you're still dubbing voices over animals. Oh, yeah. No, obviously. But, it but they're calling it a live action one, so what's yeah. the point? I think they're, they're just saying it's not all a cartoon. So they don't even go like... If it's like <laughs> Garfield, then I quite like that film when I was younger. If it's like that, where you can actually see the mouth moving, but I'm pretty sure they just put like voices over the top. Yeah, that's the boy Bill Murray, though, isn't it? Uh, just the idea of a cat that likes lasagna will always be enough to get me, I think. You do, you do like cats, and I assume you like lasagna, to be honest. What would make you assume that? I mean, just multitude. <laughs> I do like lasagna. <laughs> multitude of things. It's not, it's, not just, it's not just what you think. Just know the my stuff cat that you some like. uh, pepperoni every week. He's loving it. Oh, no, my cat doesn't like it. My cat's doing my head Just like... Uh, we have had that discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I am, to be honest. Uh, the Goonies spin-off, the Goonies spin-off series, receives an update from producer Gail Berman. It's called Our Time, and she says it tells the stories of the Goonies remake through a Friday Night Lights lens. I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't read past the headlines, so I can't really give you much more than that. But So, when it says it tells the story of the Goonies remake, does she mean they're remaking the Goonies? They are. They're, they're remaking it. It's one of these, and it, the next headline similar, where they call it a reimagining. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. Which I know, leads me on my I know money board. makes the world turn around, but just leave some shit alone. I don't even particularly like the Goonies that much. Well, something we may you may feel more passionate about so patrick hughes known for making the hitman's bodyguard is now attached to the reimagining of the raid he'll oh, be directing like that frank grillo has been cast in the lead role and the action will be set in philadelphia 100 percent that shit yeah Actually, yeah no, they've I got take, gareth evans on as a producer but even still i take it back i'm gonna edge my bets 60-40 says that shit. I quite, he, like, I quite like Frank Goodall, though. He seems quite nice. Yeah, to, but he's also good. said it's not going to be a complete action comedy, and it's kind of like, well, if the film we know, we know you most for is The Hitman's Bodyguard, I probably don't want to see you go in and making a complete reimagining of The Raid just in Philadelphia, but I also don't want to see The Raid as an action comedy. I absolutely don't want to see The Raid. So probably the just leave it alone. 
Just leave it. Let me just leave it the fuck alone. Make it, I don't know, make a new film? I know that's a fucking wild idea, but oh, don't no, someone else's. Gareth Evans is involved. When we did The Raid 2 and we had the trivia where he literally reeled off like the entire thing for what The Raid 3 was going to be and it had them like going into the jungle and moving back and all the different gangs and chopping people up and it just sounded sensational and now we've got mm. Frank Grillo in Philly doing this. It's like... Bit of an uh, anticlimax. Sixty forty says that that's just going to be shite. I mean, I don't like confirm, but I will watch it. But it's just it doesn't it doesn't need to be the raid doesn't need to be funny. Only Frank Grillo quipping one liners. (laughs) In in that kitchen scene, he just pauses halfway through to do a one liners on the camera or something. (laughs) I know, Jesus Christ, huh? And this has traditionally been quite a big week in cinema. If I just reel off some of the anniversaries that we have relating from what would have been the start of this week to so i think one of these is today the 29th up until the end of this week if you want any clarity to when we're recording so ted turns 10 years old today the amazing spider-man turns 10 years old today uh the lesser spoken about live free or die hard turns 15 years old today if that makes you feel old at all Ratatouille turns 15 years old today. Transformers turns 15 years old today. One that hit me, Men in Black 2 turns 20 years old today. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Face Off turned 25 years old this week. Men in Black, the original, turned 25 years old this week, and I still think of that film anytime I squash a bug. Full Metal Jacket, 35 years old this week. Blade Runner, 40 years old this week. And The Thing, 40 years old this week. Jeez. A lot of anniversaries. But let's get on to a film, not from this week, but from 2013. And that is Gangster Squad. Bagista was a gangster. Out of here. I'm God. I'm looking to put a squad together. I'm going after Mickey Cohen. Well, you gotta die something. Leave these at home. You're gonna be begging for a bullet. Is that right? Can't shoot me. You're a cop. Not anymore. Gangster Squad. We did our January 11th. 1949 Los Angeles, the city is run by gangsters and a malicious mobster, Mickey Cohen. Determined to end the corruption, John O'Mara assembles a team of cops ready to take down the ruthless leader and restore peace to the city. Longest synopsis and I'm used to that. Keenan, I will ask you the question I ask you every week. What do you think the critics thought of this? Six out of ten. Whatever that means to you in this segment, but that's, that's the score. I think they would have given it. Okay. Um, Penn wants to be De Niro and Pacino simultaneously, but instead emerges ridiculous, forgetting his accent and tripping over his unnatural, obligatory mercilessness. It's hard Someone not. To... Is not a fan of him. <laughs> it's hard not to be disappointed with a film that possesses so much talent and leads to such a trivial result. You can't help but wish there was something, anything beyond the surface. 
It's a lazy, watered-down gangster flick that is not nearly as clever or as new as it attempts to be. And finally, Gosling's smirk conveys a contempt for material rivaled only by my own. Bloody hell. Which I think, regardless of whether you've been on TK Keenan or whoever we've done the podcast with, we kind of expect those kind of reviews for what we would uh, bracket as a popcorn film. Mm-hmm. We just didn't get a not for kids or bring your headphones. This one's loud. Yeah, it's, some of them it's just shit. To be honest, no one no one called it a nasty film. I'm sure. <laughs> no, and before we speak about the the film itself, um, Keenan, you may think I'm. Uh, not giving you clear images here, uh, clear messages. I don't know if your speaker's a bit loud and I'm getting some echo back from you. I don't know. So if it is, if you can still hear us, I'm turning it down. If not, or more make do, I don't know uh, if you'd be loud enough with the headphones again. So just letting you know. This is what I refer to. I I just can't do anything. can't do right for wrong. (laughs) Strive for perfection. Um, It's, It's an imperfect world. I mean... You are on these millionaires' wages, so I could give you the links to the setup that I've got, but you would need to buy a laptop as well. Yeah, I'm not wearing that. So it would be quite an expensive setup, but no, I'll buy the pop shield for you. Oh, what? <laughs> the little thing you put over the mic so you don't hear pop when you use P's and B's and uh, all of those other words. He goes in with a skin. <laughs> I honestly, I just. That's his MO. I, I don't even know. I've just completely got his own back there, to be honest. I didn't get any echo, so it sounded all right. Uh, all right. We'll start... Oh, I did get some then, so who knows. We'll start with the casting and what could have been. So, Brian Cranston was originally cast as Max Kennard, uh, the older guy with the great shot, but he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with his other movie, Argo. And... It could have been a completely different film if Argo wasn't around because Ben Affleck was considered to direct this but turned it down to do Argo, his own... I think it was his directorial debut instead. Yeah, Obviously a great decision. Yeah, 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 he killed it. Uh, Amanda, yeah. Amanda Seyfried and Maggie Grace, also in the Shannon from Lost, Kim from Taken, or Kimmy, as Liam Neeson says throughout the film, uh, they both auditioned for the role of Grace, but it went to Emma Stone instead, who we'll speak about shortly. Now, some of this and how you maybe ask how they got the cast they did, you start to see a bit more here. So two of the reasons Ryan Gosling decided to make the film was one, because he wanted to act in a scene with Sean Penn and shoot a Tommy gun. Um, and he was disappointed to find out that he didn't have any scenes with Sean Penn. Also, to get him over the line, uh, the studio agreed to join the film in exchange for uh, financing his directorial debut, which was Lost River, that came out in 2014. So they reeled him in with a few promises. Hmm. And do, he sounds, honestly, everything I hear about Ryan Gosling, he genuinely just sounds like quite a nice chavo. Yeah, I've got a bit more about him as well in terms of seems, his background work. Um, just seems like quite a nice bloke. Yeah, yeah. Sick, sick of him, really, isn't it? Yeah. It, it genuinely is. <laughs> it's not, it's not, He's like, handsome, quite funny. Just yeah. disgusting, really. Multi, multi-millionaire. And mm. then it turns out, actually, underneath it all... Lovely bloke as well. He's quite he's quite sound. Like, 
the sort that's the sort of, like if I was an actor and they were like, yeah, you're going to act with Sean Penn, I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Right, I've always got time for that. The bar is kind of low because a lot of these celebrities, if they just seem like a normal bloke, we're like, you know what, he seems great, he does. Yeah, but, but I, I, I there's enough that aren't. I've always said to you, like, I think I'm a, no comments, please, but I think I'm an arsehole now. Imagine me with money. Good thing you said no comment. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's easy. I want it's to hanging for it sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it'd be poor for you to take advantage. Yeah, you, you are right, though. I do think. Whenever you like, see like a footballer acting up, you always think I'd be probably ten times worse than this. <laughs> I, so I can't can. go too hard. Here. No, no, and you're like I'd like to be one hundred eighty-six million on the lottery. Give me that. <laughs> Give me That's that. Good. Honestly, I'm like I don't know what I don't even know what the TV show is. Do you know like Fear Factor? Yeah. I'm recreating Fear Factor. Tell me what you're most scared of. Name a price, and I'll see if we can set. We'll set something up. But you're like scared of spiders. I've got a hundred million pounds. You're drinking donkey cup. Essentially, you've said this. Like no, like yeah, not for hundred mil. Like cross man. Um, no, but, you're making other people. You're not doing it for hundred mil. No. You've, no, you've already got your money. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like what are you scared of. And like, I'm scared of ice. Or well, but we'll kick you out of a plane. Parachute, obviously, but we'll take you out. We'll just kick you out of a plane. <laughs> Ten grand, yes or no? <laughs> right. You're a savage man. Yeah, but that's that's essentially what I'm doing because like it's too much money. That would be great fun. In, in what may have also made sense with some of the casting, so this was the second time Emma Stone worked with uh, Ruben Fleischer, who goes on to direct, as uh, they paired together in Zombieland 2009. This obviously mm. massive hit. Something that I didn't remember until going through the trivia and everything kind of came back. If you can remember the hype there was before this film, one of the big things in the trailer, and I think it was kind of the showpiece in the trailer, was a gang of guys with Tommy guns in a cinema shooting through the screen. And this was like the conclusion. And then they had one of those incidents in America where right before the film is going to go on the press tour, some guy goes into a cinema with a, uh, assault rifle or whatever it was and just wipes out 16 people. And rather than do an apology or anything like that, it was like, Busted having to change the title of their song after the space shuttle crashed and 9-11 caused about the films for the next five years to just take planes out of their films. This one they felt was a bit close to home, so they had to rewrite a portion of the script and reshoot. It's difficult. You're going to have to do well to find a weekend when there hasn't been a shooting over there. No. Not in a cinema, Give though. Give a break. People respect the cinemas. Come on. Um, so that was obviously a lot when people found out that was the case one i mean i don't know how many people were going just because that scene was in there but it's never good marketing to say we've had to take out something that we wanted in there initially because then you just know it's a compromise from there forwards i get up but better than it's better than the alternate where basically they just chuck the three decent moments of the film in the trailer yeah, and the yeah. rest of it's shit that's all horrible absolutely horrible um we mentioned sean penn in the reviews, and I'd like to start with him. <laughs> he he went through three hours of makeup each morning. So unlike somewhere we've seen in films that are maybe not Oscar worthy, it doesn't seem like he felt he was above that initially. And I do think he's probably the best part of the film in terms of his character. Um, do you think large parts of the criticism that's aimed at this film are almost at the likes of Sean Penn are supposed to bring a certain level of cinema along with their name. 
like this has kind of B movie vibes with like an A movie cast when you go through it. I think some of the critics showed their hand in the criticism there, but it basically just said he's not Pacino or De Niro. If that's the scale, yeah. <laughs> that's that is tough. Is it? This kind of film is tough to be original anyway, and I won't pick the film out bit by bit. But there are a lot of things where you can look at it and go, okay, they've taken that from this. They've taken that from there. And so you kind of set yourself up for that, don't you, at that point? Because you can't say, don't compare me when when you've done exactly that. Um, Yeah, but there's only so much you can do. For sure, for sure. Like, And you say, oh, you like, don't compare me. I do think at a certain point it is actually an unfair question because there's only so many things you can do like and there's just true it's the same as anything like i do try and take everything on its own merit or lack thereof i suppose actually probably why i'm harsher about some films than 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 you might be but it's um it's, it is difficult it is it shouldn't be difficult like you do have to take it on its own merit at this point it's the what 75th film and but made about the mafia yeah yeah like do you know what i mean outside of maybe world war ii or i probably actually say about westerns like the wild wild west is probably the like, third most thing that or the, the third most common thing you make a film about but and that's maybe part of it is that from what we've done just looking through the different films in, in just in this uh genre of the bracket mm. these are some of the most criticized films there are one because the standard is so high. Like you look at the IMDb top 250 or whatever, a large portion of even just that top 50 are gangster films. Mm. And so the, the bar is really on a huge level. And it just seems that the audience that are there for them are more critical than other audiences. Like there's that level of expectation already. And so when you put this cast on top of it, and they should be grateful they don't do it now because this cast has aged spectacularly. Like Ryan Gosling now, Emma Stone now are different to what they were back then. Sean Penn's still Sean Penn. Nick Nolte, um, Michael Peña's only gone up and all of these other guys. Um, so you're carrying, people have real high hopes before going in. And we always say some of the best films we've seen or done on here is where you go in thinking, I'm probably not going to like this or I'm not going to think much of this and it can over-deliver. Do you think it was ever going to be possible for this film to over deliver? No, but I don't, I don't, I don't, don't know why, but I don't remember ever being that excited to watch this. I'm, I'm the opposite, and I can, I say now, <laughs> it has changed over time. I, this is going to be, I dread to think what I've a number watching it, but I watched this, I think, twice at the cinema. I'm being really excited for it to come out. I got it on DVD, which was always a surefire sign that I really did like the film. And then I think, regardless of what we've just said here, having seen more gangster films since then and paid more attention to them, you do, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, compare them. Yeah, by contrast, I had no expectations watching it. I only watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. So... My expectations were pretty much rock bottom, so anything it was going to produce. And yeah. I was pleasantly surprised at first time. And even yeah. on the rewatch, I, I didn't hate it. It wasn't like I was going, oh, this is a disaster of a movie. No, I no, still no. enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I just 
being a bit more critical than usual. I uh, I got a funny feeling I actually watched this off the back of one of your recommendations, by uh, oh boy! If if what well, to be honest, if you'd asked me about this, if anyone in the last well last ten years had asked me, should I watch that? I would have sent you home to watch it there and then. This My really, really for this film really was horrible for you. <laughs> it wasn't even that. I think it's in the last couple of months we've done both Godfather films, we've done Goodfellas, we've done Scarface on here. And maybe I was just watching the film differently than how I would usually watch it. Would you say your palate's become more sophisticated over the years? Uh, there was, I don't know, there were certain bits of the film where I was looking at it and it, maybe the kind of question, maybe I should have been more like Keenan, which I won't say often, and this is going to sound insulting now when I do, when I do say this. But what I asked Keenan in previous weeks, well, what, what do you th- think the message of this film is? What do you think's that? And he's like, I don't know. And uh, whether he says it or not is in line with that. I don't care. And I think that's the proper way to watch this film rather than, I mean, some of the notes I have down here. What do you oh, think the message is? What, what if you go looking for a meaning in this film, film you're going to be struggling, I think. What do I think the message in this film is? I think uh, it's... On. Well, I think it. I, <laughs> I, I, fucking, yeah, when you guys put on your start, start around. To be honest, if you could ask the director, I'm not sure they'd be able to tell yeah, you. The films I've asked you about, Keen, and asking you what, what you think the message was for American Psycho and Fight Club is very different to Gangster Squad. You've asked me some absolute fucking shockers. <laughs> so, right. I think I'm me, ask, and, me and TK had quite a good discussion about the message beyond Football Factory. <laughs> Bless you. We did. The the me- the message in this is essentially that the good guys will always win. I think. Oh, for God's sake! No, that's that's I, effectively what you're getting in this film, and I've got a whole genuinely at his bottom of the barrel. I've got, got I've got my little um, categories broken down of what we talk about for the films. We peek behind the curtain here. The the biggest topic that we're going to speak about in a minute is what is the tone of this film? Like, what did they want it to be? Because it's so. I'll probably, spark up, I'll probably light up a cigarette while you two talk about that. I ain't got a lot. I ain't got a lot. <laughs> well, the, the the point at which I hadn't written a note for a while and I had to reach for my phone off charge to write here was when I, I knew what was about to happen next and I clocked the Christmas tree in the scene and I thought, you've put that Christmas tree in the scene just so Sean Penn can come out of this room and say, here's Santa Claus. <laughs> there is no other reason for this Christmas tree to be in the scene other than him to be firing a Tommy gun through a Christmas tree. Looks good though, doesn't it? It does. And so I was kind of like, oh, Sean Penn is, is the high point of this for me. Uh, yeah, he's, he, is, he is very good. Some of his lines are horrendous. Yeah. You're talking That's to God, Mitch, so you might as well swear to me. Heard that so many times before. My big, what the hell is he talking about when he's like, you know, I like only having one fork. You never make the wrong decision. Is that supposed <laughs> to be yeah. what? What am I Honestly, taking from this? I sat and stewed on that for a good five minutes after, thinking, what, what's he mean? mean? The wrong decision. How many wrong decisions you make with a knife and fork? I don't know. Well, if you draw you know I me, mean? if you're in a social setting, you're at a nice restaurant, you don't want to be picking up the wrong fork, do you? You look like you look like a novice. He doesn't strike me as the type that worries about etiquette. No. Oh. No, well, I mean, we've seen how he acted in a restaurant old, just that's before. The old, that's essentially the old point of his character, as he was. The bloke was worried about etiquette. He wanted to be seen for something more than he was. Ooh. All right. Talking about the message. You've got, so, 
You've got some sort of message from the film. <laughs> no, but that's not the film. That's just it's based on a true character. It's based on Mickey Cohen. That's oh, well, positive. I've got a bit about the base because I've got the guy that literally wrote the book it's based on and his thoughts on the film. Um, oh, Read God. about Mickey Cohen. That's what your man said. He like, obviously got started with the help of someone else and then moved out with, a, with someone else. All on everyone else's money. But he wanted to show he's a, a big boss man. The way to do that in public. Because you can't be walking around restaurants fucking stabbing people or doing whatever he wants to do. So you show your at home with your politicians and your judges that he was buying off. Well, we've, we've got the uh, gangster classic. Go back to Chicago and tell them what you saw tonight. You tell them that Los Angeles belongs to Mickey Cohen. And well, I mean, we get that in 300. We get that in... 300, honestly. I love that. The emissary. Just, just keep one alive. And then Lawless have also done in this bracket. Yeah. yeah, some of what he does, he does convey his character really well. It's just a shame that they've kind of hamstrung him with some of the cringe that they make him spew uh, around that. His... You heard of Manifest Destiny. Just the passion he has while he's saying it. Can you use the word that he uses for Italians in here? It wasn't filtered out, but I also don't know if I want myself on the record saying the word that rhymes with mops. I don't think you can say it, no. Okay. I won't then. I won't quote oh, it. I'll be honest. It's, I mean, it's up to you. Take a gamble. I've got a feeling you have used it, though, for, if you want, uh, want to dog well, when? Uh, oh, in fairness, it was, was a reference as well. I believe in the Goodfellas one, you do give the guy his name. But that is his nickname. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Well, if it's his name. TK, like honestly, loyal listener of the pod. Yeah, I can. I couldn't have told you that. And I was. I, I, I think I got a feeling he asked if you can set the time. We said <laughs> you probably can't, but <laughs> I sent um, TK the latest YouTube comment we had just before coming on here, Keenan. So the latest one anymore isn't asking you that unprofessional bloke is in the bottom corner. <laughs> Um, that which... that I, I, whoever left that comment is an absolute victim. I when I look back on it, your name is in the corner, so it's even more insulting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a that. You can see your name and he's like, who the hell is this guy? He's a joke yeah. of a human. But there were a comment <laughs> and some blokes basically saying, oh, I saw this uh, elsewhere and it had millions of views. Um, oh, right. I've just I've just clicked on the link. And I can't believe I'm the first comment. Uh, this is this is so cool that uh, so little people have seen this. Ouch. I like what you're saying here, but at the same time, don't tell me you've never heard of me before. Pump <laughs> my ego a little bit. At the same time, please don't celebrate the bloke who has plagiarising from us. That's the, yeah. I think he's he come from TikTok actually. Oh, okay. Over a million views on TikTok now, by the way. They're following the boys on TikTok. The millions just keep coming. Um, uh, okay, so the criticism of this film and everything kind of with the tone of this, if we can say just what we think they were getting at, because the main thing about this is they say they didn't really know what they wanted it to be. Ruben Fleischer comes onto this mean? film. I know you're going to say this, but when you title it Gangster, Gangster Squad, I think you... You outlay what you wanted to be. Well, that that's what they were actually called, um, the, yeah. the group. But, but once you once you title the film out, you got a fairly you should have a fair. Oh no, no. I'll I'll tell you the point in a in a moment. But he's coming onto this off the back of Zombieland in thirty minutes or less. So those are the two films he's done before Gangster Squad. It's a nice little trailer. 
it is but already one feels like it sticks out like a sore thumb compared to the other two and he then goes on to do venom zombieland 2 and uncharted so gangster squad feels like the outlier in that group so perhaps the fact they were looking at ben affleck and if i was to compare this to a film now you do the ben affleck one the florida one yeah, live by night it goes very nicely next to that and they're very similar i prefer mm. this but uh, i think you've got lawless that comes out a year before and olympus has fallen comes out a year later now i prefer this to olympus has fallen but i just think it could have done with leaning more either way and it could have improved if you go well, into more of the drama side of it and you make this a bit darker. Like, they have a couple of moments where it's dark. I mean, yes. you've got someone that's coming to throw acid on Emma, on Emma Stone's face. Mm. Just mm. out of nowhere. Um, or you could have gone more and embrace this, uh, like, get more Tommy guns in, get more of these car chases, get more of these, uh, them tracking them down. But we get this kind of middle ground where you get a bit of both, and I think that's where some of the criticism comes in. Maybe. I do think this... I do think if you lean more towards Olympus has fallen, I think this loses something. Ray that that was that. the extreme example. I just yeah. wanted to show you the, either side. I did wonder where you were going when you said it, but I think if mm. you... There's a fine line... And I'm not saying... It's not... Whether um sorry. Sorry, I just showed her a conversation. Um I don't know where they can go with it or how far they go with it is the is 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 the problem before you lose something because I do think the story the story is key to this, whereas the Olympus has fallen like the, the and films off that ilk. The story is just secondary. The story isn't even the real story that they've done here, so they really could have taken it any way. Yeah, and I think if you want to lean more towards the action, do you need? You don't need um. You don't need this cast. Well, I, I think you could do it that way. I think if you go with the action way, then you try and make it more slick, which is what you've tried to do with Ryan Gosling's character, mm. and you do it more that way. I think part of the problem. And if you search online for what people think of this, by the way, it's far worse than I ever thought it was going to be. Jeez. I think, do you think we got to know the characters enough? Me and Keenan spoke about whether you really need to when we did Oceans. And what works with that is, for one, the guys were already megastars. It didn't really matter what character they were playing because we were tuning in to see George Clooney and Brad Pitt and uh, so on. Hmm. You don't Nobody in this... Well, no, no, at the time, nobody in this film is at the Pitt Clooney level. Like, even no, Sean Penn no. at his peak isn't what those two guys were in 2003 or whenever it was done. Mm. And so I think if you want us to care about the squad, you need to do a bit more. It, You know where it's going the second that nobody really gets a background intro. And then um, Rabisi's character is the only one that really states... You know, I really do love my family. I'm yeah, doing this to protect my family. He's done immediately. And yeah. he's just curtains from early. He's like the chubby one in The Untouchables. 
Yeah. <laughs> you get ice in the lift. Yeah, you do just when you start talking about stuff like you are just signing your own warrant. But there's just a lot of moments like that where it's just a bit too obvious since so you don't really get to kind of feel on board with them because I mean th- these guys are supposed to be the best of the best at this point. Mm. That heroin shipment was definitely a trap and they didn't even have me convinced that it could possibly be they're going to just take down these guys and it's going to be all over. Each, uh, just, okay. Do you feel any pity or sadness when anyone dies in this film? No, nah, not really. No, that's a good point. You don't really care, do you? But I, I, I mean, you don't in a lot of films like this. You sort of... You expect it, don't you, at this stage? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like there's the a film. Numerous... The, the film that this is the film that this is closest to is, and we've already done it. This is basically just the Insatiables. But it's not. That's that's part of that's part of the issue. I think people have. No, they don't go that way, and they don't go the other way. No, no, but it is essentially the Insatiables. Oh yeah, the premise. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the, once you've seen the, if you've seen the Untouchables and you were then to watch this, you're expecting a death somewhere out of one of them. You know it's coming. I mean, I think even the death, um, you've you've got a guy who's uh, what garroted from the back. There's no blood, there's no struggle, and he goes down to the floor like he's just been put out with anaesthetic. His eyes are closed, for God's sake. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice classic touch, like the old garrot. Mm. And so, but then, then on the other hand, then you've got Ryan Gosling pouring out acid on the guy's crotch. Mm. One of the moments bit, I felt a bit of sympathy for him there, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, when when Rabisi's, <laughs> when Rabisi's character has this weird moment where he does the, you know, I'm starting to wonder, are we really the bad guys? What's the difference? They've done nothing at that point to be questioned as to whether they could be the bad guys. Yeah, but they wanted <laughs> that is just trying to take the Donnie Brasco speech in it. That's why I'm going so lean into it at that stage. Have Gosling pour the acid on this guy's face. Really go dark with it. This is kind of like, yeah, they kind of they kind of get a foot in, but never go through yeah. with it. Because when they, even when they take those gangsters up and have them kneeling, you kind of think they could go really dark here, but again, they don't. Which I'm assuming is what this guy, one of the things this guy was referencing to, like, oh, are we much different to them? It's like, well, yeah, you are quite different to them because yeah, you're not going the, around murdering people. At the start of the film, in the first five minutes, you've got a woman that's been picked up and she's about to be gang raped by three blokes. You you set things out like it's dark already, <laughs> and then you kind of just peel back. No, I'm saying so. <laughs> I'm saying the tone is just confused. If you wanted a, uh, if you wanted total clarity there, on my end, you cut out and just came back with gang raped by three men. I was like, what the hell has just been said prior to that? That's not ideal. Sorry. No, I, they stay open with that, and so you're kind of tiptoeing, but never quite going in or out. Do you care when the shoe shine kid dies? I do, and it's like there you go. Also, I've I've had he, more feeling his about also him. Obvious. You know he's dead as well. You know he's fucked. But you also have more feeling about him than when Rabisi's character dies. Yeah, yeah. His is the most close to an emotional death, I think. It's it feels like a shallow superhero movie where everyone else is just kind of collateral. You don't really ask questions about anyone that's dropped dead. 
that's probably fair. I mean, if if you want to go really how formulaic it is, you could just look at the formate the the formulation of the squad. Who I can tell you, this time in history, it definitely wasn't the the mixed group that is in this film. Yeah, no, I would have would have put and that then, this film. You've got your ruthless crime boss. You've got the cop that abides by the rules. You've got the cowboy. You, I mean, you've even forcing the black guys to be street smart, which is a very cliched thing here. You've got the family, the family father who just has to really let you know he's doing everything for his kids. You, you've you've got the Mexican character who's <laughs> sneaking around saying, in the background and forcing his way in. Like, I don't know. I preferred the film when I thought about it less, which is probably a good method to go by for watching uh, these films. Tell you, keep telling you. Also, we we'd be a very short podcast if we just came on. <laughs> well, I didn't think too much about it. <laughs> the only oh, other good guy car- the casualties we get are um, the old mentor of Ryan Gosling, whose character does hang around a bit too much. Where you're like, well, something's definitely happening to you because we shouldn't be seeing you as much as we are. And as soon as there's an older guy in the group, I do think someone's going to have to die. It's probably going to be you. <laughs> it's the same as the, uh, if you reference the family or if you reference like, oh, I'm retiring soon or something like that. Honestly, just keep that to yourself. Don't ever mention it. Maybe don't go retirement. do the one last job. Yeah. Maybe just leave yeah. it. In no hell or high water. Six months away from retiring and got there. <laughs> Hell or high war, isn't it? His uh, his partner the whole time. It's like, yeah, yeah, just get this one out of the way. We need really to finish this one because I've told my wife I'm gonna <laughs> gonna hang my gun up. <laughs> yeah, mate. Like, I'll be honest. When you get to six months from retiring, just retire immediately. I mean, retire, yeah. boys. I'm done. By <laughs> contrast, Ryan Gosling takes a bullet and they literally just fold him up inside a wardrobe to just hang tight until <laughs> until everything's <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> When you're a young gun, you just absorb things, apparently. Uh, I do want to talk about Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. So this is the second of three movies that they've done together. They'd already done Crazy Stupid Love. And so part of the thing with this film was that you were pairing these two up again, where one of the high points of that film was the chemistry that those two seemingly had. And clearly it was thought so again because they're put together for La La Land, where I'm pretty sure they just go mental with the awards. In this film, Emma Stone is pretty much just existing to wear nice dresses and look good. I don't think there's a scene that she walks into where she doesn't then just politely excuse herself before anything can happen. Yeah, you are right. It is a lot of, I'm just going to go powder my nose sort of lines. It's, It's probably... The best the she's films. looked, and they don't give her any kind of performance to be able to match up with that. Yeah, yeah, but in a film set in this time frame, set around these characters, you honestly tell me, yeah, you honestly tell me you're expecting a strong female lead. Well, at the same time, then probably don't cast Emma Stone. Cast Kelly Brook for a second job after uh, fucking hell. after Piranha. By the way, do you know she's on like, art radio now. Yeah, because I mean, I don't want to be horrible. She's shit on there as well. Mate, we got it. Like, we have it on in the office. Her laugh is just filth. Well, as a step up from Amanda Holding, because my mum has that on in the car in the morning. That has to no, be a fake laugh. 
just get Kelly, like Kelly her life is actually just dirty. Is it like Kelly? You've got some quite obvious strengths, and they do not exist on radio. <laughs> I do think um, when St- Emma Sterling goes in first, well, I guess in our, in this thing, first meet at the bar. There's some good sort of back and forth there. Even mixed in with that, there is some painful stuff. It's kind of this thing is there's some slick lines and then some really clunky stuff. It's like oh god, it ah oh, it's. Actually, I think he's actually doing her a disservice in this, but I think she does her job, doesn't she? But yeah, I well, mean, absolutely. as you said, there isn't. Is there ever going to be a female with a lot to do in this? No, it's they, just there just isn't. Like I don't know why. Why is she being kept around by Cohen? <laughs> Yeah, but that part isn't even explained because for his kind of character, surely he just has a different person on his arm every night. He's not having to hang around to say, "Come on, have a look at this little thing of me boxing." I do think it's. I don't think it's particularly believable that she would fall in with him. I think the, the character that she obviously represents. I think it's obviously entirely possible they would. I just don't think she necessarily comes across like that if, you, if that makes any sense they have the one line doesn't they where she's like well i want to be a star mm. and that's that's it they they get the good trailer i remember them being in the trailer of him saying uh her saying oh do you want to take me away from all this and make an honest woman out of me and he says no ma'am i was just hoping to take you to bed and that hit in the trailer people are he's so slick she looks great this is unbelievable and then you've got the other lines that are just horrendous, like when she's when he says "Don't go" and she says "Don't let me." I mean, it just hangs oh, for a oh, minute. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm all in on it. Honestly, have you seen Crazy Stupid Love? I haven't. I know you like a rom com. I do. I do. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, you'd like that. Oh, okay, nice. Thank you. It's uh, it's Steve Carell is newly single and Ryan Gosling is the slick guy in the bar who can pull anyone he wants and so he takes <laughs> Steve Carell under his wing. To, I assume uh, that is that could they if if Steve Carell, I mean I hope if he's married, he's happy, but if that ever happens, that could just be a real world thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pretty sure like Emma Stone's maybe his daughter or something. It's one of the it's one of these things, but you'd have seen the trailer. It's him taking his shirt off and her going, how can I compete with that? As if she's not Emma Stone. Yeah, it's a fair, fair point. She is Emma Stone at the end of the day. Well, there's even a little bit in here where uh, Gosling essentially suggests when he goes, uh, what's he saying to that guy? He goes, uh, I haven't been sophisticated in weeks and it's not for the yeah. one of trying. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, like, yeah. I feel like you ain't having to try too hard, right? <laughs> You're not having to struggle, I don't think. Well, seemingly, every other woman in this film that isn't Emma Stone or Josh Brolin's wife is a hooker. <laughs> that's that world. <laughs> so maybe that's the issue. I guess it just speaks to again, like you've got Sean Penn, you've got Ryan Gosling, you've got Emma Stone. I would watch this film again, and I feel like it's just being very critical of it. But when I was thinking about it today, I thought if you asked the three of us to make a gangster film, and we would just take out, well, I like this little bit from Scarface. I like this little bit from The Untouchables. And it was just essentially half copying everything we've seen before with this cast. This would probably be what we get more than if you put someone a bit more refined in there and you gave them some more room to work. He and was, you can't blame this all on... that me and CK aren't refined. Well, I don't want to blame it all on uh, Ruben Fleischer. I, I don't know who wrote this, but I think they've really done a... A, a rough job 
with these. Well, I'm sure they all got paid fantastically. This wasn't honest, honestly. This wasn't the way I thought your your breakdown of this film was going to go. Well, nor did I until. <laughs> Sounds like he's had a tough week, doesn't it? Sounds yeah, like probably he's today. A tough week probably today. If you had... take, I'll be honest, mate. If you take away me being able to moan about films from this podcast, <laughs> like I'm not really bringing a lot else to the table. So <laughs> you're take, trying to take away his corner. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I do. Be, if you're going to be the negative one. I really don't have a lot else to do with it. No, I mean, my next point here is the best points of the film, so uh, we'll go on to that. By the way, for not on some of Gosling's lines, it is testament to how handsome someone can be that he can say, I like to play games, I like to play post office, as she's going forth. This is phenomenal. Well, that, that, by the way, is some they've gone handsome. full Tarantino. That's an entire scene from a film in 1934 that they've taken line for line and just inserted right. into the film. Nice. That is probably what they're giving up here is trying to be for a little bit of humour in, and that's a very difficult thing to do as we touched on last week. Essentially, you're not Tarantino, which is a tough, again, a tough level to match up to. It's frustrating though because I can see that Sean Penn as this vicious, unrelenting mob boss would be brilliant. And so if he was in a film where they just really bought in with that, I think it could be so good because he clearly is having fun delivering this. Do you think the you, film would work better if they spun it from his perspective? No, because I even like I don't think you can have a better opposite than Josh Brolin in this situation. Like the, just the that, look bro. of those two as being the good and the bad, I think works very well. But we don't see enough from Josh Brolin to see that he's good, and we don't see enough from Sean Penn as to just how bad he can be. The biggest thing that has made me just feel ridiculous when I've been speaking about this film for probably the last five years is I've been talking about this final scene in the rain and it's not even raining. No, it's a broken <laughs> fountain. <laughs> I thought about this when you said it to me last week about a fight in the rain. I, I referenced it on pretty much every podcast we've done where I've gone, you know, Keenan, uh, I do like it when like, you get a good, good scene in the rain. I think I did it on the seven podcast. I was like, like Gangster Squad. Mm. <laughs> Oh, wow. And it's just not even raining. It's just a broken <laughs> fountain. And the fountain's not even... It's not spraying everywhere. I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to get a shot in a minute. Okay. I don't think Josh Brolin's hair's even wet. It's all becoming a lot clearer now. You feel humiliated by the film. And this has all been one big vengeance. Well, if I had to think of a way to improve it, having that final scene be in the rain would be right up there now. Be a good start. And I think you've got to have... Sean Penn piecing him up in the boxing match because they're, they're, they're not slugging it out and Brolin's having it. We're not having it. We did this with um, on the waterfront, him up. didn't we, Keenan? Where the whole thing is, um, he's this amazing boxer that was almost forced away from the work <laughs> because mm. of this underground life, and then he gets pieced up by some like fifty-five-year-old bloke. <laughs> well, he lets him in that in that instance. To be fair, not in the final scene, he doesn't. He doesn't let him. Oh, sorry. Well, it being the original when they're kicking fuck out, then they, I mean, he does land, doesn't he? What right at the end? Because it, no, until the other guys come in, like it's one on one, and he's he's getting duffed up to the point where he does need the other guys. Go on. He does need the other guys to jump in at that point. Though, Eventually, though, he's already he's mm. already getting a good go of him before then. Whereas, but whereas this, I mean. And gets a couple, couple of shots off, and then next thing you know, Brody's all over him. You're like, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey Cohen's handling this guy, don't worry about that. 
um it really does set the scene quite nicely if you were to go in like dark with um brolin's voiceover every man carries a badge some symbols of his allegiance he his were the scars of a boxer and used his fist to climb the social ladder of the mob a jew who'd gained the respect of the mops through a homicidal lust he'd sworn an oath of violence and his master his own insatiable will to power he'd wanted to own this town and his name was mickey cohen that you've got the the dark shots of him hitting a punch bag you're all in yeah we've got to give pan his due he's actually in pretty good shape isn't he, at that point mm. yeah like, he's he's getting up there in advancing years like he's in for a pretty good shape I was watching uh, one of the best sitcoms ever made the other day and I forgot that he appears in there. I assume you know which sitcom I'm referring to. No, clear. Two and a half, man? Yes. Yeah, I thought you might be. He plays himself. I'll be honest, you could have given me 15 guesses. Never getting anywhere near that. I just know he likes sitcoms. forcing a narrative on this <laughs> that's one of the best ever. <laughs> But there's there's some where I've just said it so much. I guess like in the fight scene in the rain, where I kind of have to carry on at that point, like Gareth Gates and Suspicious Minds. I've watched it Two is. and a Half Men through enough times where I can't be lying at this point. Is there how many seasons? There? It's got to be a good fear. Well, I stop when we get to uh, Ashton Kutcher, so <laughs> I watch until Charlie Sheen um, gets AIDS and uh, goes on a tirade in public and is kicked off the show. I mean, he may have had AIDS already, but AIDS publicly. Did they uh, give him a good send-off? No, they start the Ashton Kutcher one saying he's been hit by a train. <laughs> yeah, sure so I didn't you. bother with that. It, it starts going downhill when Jake gets older. The early seasons are just phenomenal. They will just agree to disagree now. Have you watched enough to be able to say? Yeah, it used to be on... Um... Oh, fuck. You should be honest, uh, I can't remember what it was. It might have been Comedy Central back in the day. It would have been Comedy Central, and I'm offended that uh, you didn't like it. Yeah, you, you, can, you can watch two or three episodes and you've got it. You've got it first. It's not like... Well, it's on Prime yeah, now, so you can watch uh, You can watch more of it. I'm probably not going to. <laughs> Go to Peep Show instead, then. I just asked the David Mitchell thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Fucking no chance. Oh, wow. I he doesn't. Want, he won't watch The Office either. Oh, which one? The UK one or the US? Yeah, one? UK. I've seen it. You said you. You said you ate it. I do hate it. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! But you just wow. said you just said he wouldn't watch it. I've seen. Well, it. I, I don't watched think you've it. watched both seasons and Christmas specials, have you? I actually have. Yeah. That just feels like torture then, if you don't like it. <laughs> well, it was on in. It was when when I first basically it was when I lived in Oz and like a lot of lads had it on there for it. Was brilliant. So I was like, I said, watch it with you, and it was shit. And every time they laughed, did it there. make you hate it more? <laughs> every time Ricky Gervais popped up on screen, to be honest. Well, I don't like Ricky Gervais, <laughs> to be fair. So I don't think that's the barrier that I thought it would be. I mean, I've, I don't. It's not a barrier. It's not a barrier to it if I've seen it, is it? I, I mean, a barrier I've, to liking it. I've seen it. Didn't enjoy it. Just didn't think it was that funny. Uh, yeah, everyone's got their own taste, didn't they? disrespectful anyway um i do always love the scenes in these films where people realize they've been caught by a wire 
What's even more impressive is the way that uh, Mickey Cohen is able to coordinate the big reveal in a time where they don't have mobile phones or even a telephone there to know when his guy's in position to strangle him. Yeah. I mean, the whole bugging very well. The whole bugging thing feels slightly more sophisticated than they probably had in the locker anyway. Yeah, I saw a headline today with supposedly the first season of Stranger Things where it's set in 1983 and they just got the Smiths as the soundtrack the whole way through it. And Winona Ryder's apparently telling the directors, these songs didn't come out until 1985. Like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, did they not? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I don't think people will care. We'll just keep them in. And she's had to do that the whole way through and just keep pointing out that the soundtrack is not in line with the year they're claiming it is. But Yeah, I saw someone... Fast. I saw someone tweet about this, but they were like, well, the initial tweet was like how impressive this was that she was doing that. And I think other people were like, I feel like someone should be able to do that pretty easily, actually. <laughs> if you're directing or whatever, you should probably have that in the bag. Yeah, uh, and that probably once you've done gone far enough in, you just have to say you don't care because otherwise it probably is a very bad look. Most of their audience won't care, will they? So. No, it wouldn't have been something I'd even thought about. Can we... Just a kid, aren't you? Can we have more Tommy guns in films? Like anytime I see a Tommy gun in a film, I think that looks really cool. I wish there was more of them in films. And they just aren't. Very much of their age, though, aren't they? Or of their time. Yeah, but... Well, let me say that. I mean, the AK-47 has lasted. I feel like it'd just be one of those things. Like, even if you just have to say, oh, what, I've just found this from all these years ago in the basement just to have the excuse of using a Tommy gun in the film. I thought there was going to be more of them in this film based on the trailer. Well, you've just said that they ripped out the one scene where they were lashing it into a cinema anyway. Yeah, but even then, I mean, they've got the... I don't know what the trailer to this is like, to be honest. It's very good. Mm. Remember the scene with Ryan Gosling where it says, you, you can't shoot me, you're a cop. It's not, any, not anymore. Ah. Just loves having his shoes shined. Go get your fucking shine, but <laughs> Now I've got uh, a short excerpt of an interview that the author of the book that this film was based on, they had him on oh, the man. set and he did a Ask Me Anything on Reddit where he explained like right after the film had come out and the criticism started coming in. And I think he basically wanted to say, hey, don't look Wasn't at me. They? Yeah. So if I read this out to you, he says, when the cast of Warner Brothers film version of Gangster Squad was preparing to stage the movie's final confrontation, a wild Tommy get a wild Tommy gun shoot him up between the crew of LAPD cops and the henchman of the hoodlum Mickey Cohen. Ryan Gosling asked me, did any of these guys actually get killed? I told Gosling that of the eight original members of the squad, two had been shot and wounded on the job just before they joined the unit. The only one killed after the squad was formed, the giant Texan Jumbo Canard, died not in a hail of bullets, but when his car was struck by a bus on a rain-soaked Wilshire Boulevard after a night of drinking. Blimey. The embellishments should surprise no one familiar with the ways of Hollywood or the conventions and films on small elite crews of crime fighters such as the Magnificent Seven or the Untouchables. A couple of good guys are going to bite the dust before the rest prevail over the forces of evil. 
In this case, Warner Brothers made no secret of the cinematic liberties being taken. The film did not even describe itself as based on a true story. It opted for the lesser inspired by. On location that night, as Gosling and Brolin grabbed their machine guns to have it out with Sean Penn, the main producer, Dan Lin, termed the unfolding action as most basically boys with toys. In real life, the men of the LAPD's gangster squad indeed carried Thompson submachine guns to intimidate hoods, but never once fired them. The only time a squad member tried to pull the trigger when confronting a brother of the notorious Al Capone, the Tommy failed to fire. The granddaughter of Sergeant Jack O'Mara, the squad leader played by Brolin, declared, The movie butchered my grandfather's life. Ryan Gosling did go to the effort of meeting the sons of Jerry Wooters and getting as much info as possible before being told that wasn't going to be required on screen. So it seems like more. They almost shouldn't have just said it was anything to do with a true story because you could have just set this whole thing up with different names. And it doesn't really take much out. Fair Every enough. character I mean, has been described as being played differently to how they were in real life. It's, yeah, but it sounds like a studio job, which is something. I mean, you can't, if you're looking for small mercies, the fact that it's a studio job. Also, as the author says, if you're in an arena game, you know how it works. Yeah, but he says, like, even the portrayal of um, Cohen is different, the portrayal of Brolin's character is different. Like, there's no one that's even remotely similar. In fact, after their 15 years of pursuing Mickey Cohen, real justice for him comes in the form of a lead pipe to the head in prison after being sent down for financial penalties. So the squad didn't have a big shoot him up (laughs) They didn't bring him in. Literally none of this actually happened, which I did hesitate to include, but the fact that he was on the set feels like... Why was he there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It because, does. It does feel like why was he there? But I well, mean, from his accounts, it feels like they're almost laughing at like they're they're asking him questions of should this be right, and then if it's not the answer they want to hear, they just kind of laugh it off. I mean, he has only he has written a biographical tale. It's not like which I don't I don't know how to phrase this, but he didn't write the story. It's just an account, isn't it? Really. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Well, he started he started from a, a series of newspaper articles, and then he went on to write a book based on that. But their script is based upon his work. So it's not based on the true events, even then. It's, it's based on his writing, so even then it should probably be closer. The thing the thing with it is, would it, if they had played, played it like closer to his writing from what the sound of it, I don't think we'd have a better film for it. So they may as well have just moved off and done their own thing. Because if they had this situation where he's essentially said none of them died, other than this one guy who later dies in a car crash, we'd probably all be coming away and say, oh, so none of the good guys died. That's a bit weird. And we'd probably say, well, that's not really believable, even though that's obviously truly what happened. So. I saw a review with someone fuming Ryan Gosling didn't die. <clears throat> One of him or Brolin probably has to die. Did you like the little, uh, has he killed the wife? No, she's just given birth. I was furious that Emerson apparently, she doesn't have to go into witness protection at all. This is just... <laughs> Not only that, she can just stay with a local cop. They can just live a normal life together. That's ridiculous. Is is this a thing in real life? Like, I know there's the phrase, um, like, scare the shit out of you. Can can you have a baby scared out of you? 
Probably. I, I don't. If you I just line up, just uh, line up uh, these pregnant these pregnancy wards. Yeah, just I think it has to be in jack your in the boxes. Yeah, but just just fill them with jack in the boxes and just what? speed up the process. What? Or just make them all watch that video where it's the road going down and then that scream face jumps out at you. If it's quite literally scaring it out, a couple of gunshots and this baby's just flying out. I don't know where the blood came from. That's not good. The trail of blood along the floor, like like she was on her ass scooting along to the bath. But oh god, made for a good scene. You've not seen a quiet place, have you, Keenan? No. Seen in there where she's giving birth <laughs> where you can't make a noise because of the monster. Unbelievable. She's Sandra Bullock, isn't it? No, it's um, Emily Blunt. Oh, what's the one Sandra Bullock did? Is that the one where you can't see? Yeah, uh, yeah that's the one. Yeah. Bird box, is that? Yeah, that's the one. Never saw it, just saw the memes. Yeah, yeah, same, actually. What, what do you think is the best scene in this film? Christ. I uh, really, I do actually really like the, the hotel lobby. Including uh, Here Comes Santa Claus. Yeah, I've got no problem <laughs> with any of it. So what, what are your thoughts on the film before we move on? Do you like it? Because prior to everything that it sounds like, I do like the film, just not as much as I thought I did. Is probably the issue. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just on the level. I do like it. Yeah, it's a lot more normal for me now. Before, I mean, maybe my brother should rewatch it after he called it top 10 on Monday night. <laughs> I did text him about that after. <laughs> I mean, it felt like a rash claim at the time. Now you yeah. just slandered the film. <laughs> well, it was about five minutes in, I was like, this is a bit cheesier than I remember. I remember it being super serious. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what you were. Were you drinking at this point when you first watched it? I don't. What, what was going I mean, on? How old were we? How old were we in 2013? Were you drinking at this point? Were you, were you, were you struggling? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you seem to remember an entirely different film to what happened. I can understand. Well, I was about so 18, like... 18, 19 at the time. No, I think part of it is one: the excitement for the film. Two, in the cinema, I'm watching it for the popcorn movie that it is. Okay. So I think that's the key difference. And I think Ryan Gosling may have charmed me, to be honest. I think maybe that's it. He's (laughs) a charming man. He can do that. If I said last week that um, Ed Norton spends the whole film just wincing through every word that he says, Ryan Gosling just side-eyes and smirks just every line through the film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even at the point where it's like they're really downbeat and you say to Brolin look you're a great cop maybe one of the best but we just got to do things differently it's like can you just give it a rest for one minute I think Brolin <laughs> does then punch him after doesn't he so. yeah tough tough crowd Brolin how guilty should Gosling's character be for the death of his mate And do you think he feels guilt? No, I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. <laughs> and it is largely on him. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. 
All right. Anything else to say before we move on to our second film of the day? Let's do. Let's see how much you hate this one as well. Come on. All right. Gangs of New York. This Friday, some fight for power, some fight for greed, but one man fights for something more. I'm gonna paint Paradise Square with your blood. Two coats. Gangs of New York, rated R, in theaters nationwide Friday. The synopsis. In 1862, Amsterdam Vallen returns to the Five Points area of New York City seeking revenge against Bill the Butcher, his father's killer. Keenan, what do you think the critics thought of this? They love Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. The visuals are strong. Well, the central narrative... The visuals oh. are strong. Am I sounding all right, by the way? Can I blame that on a glitch, maybe? Nope. Did, did, I just cut out, did I just cut out the once? And I, I think that was only for me, to be fair. It sounds like okay. Keenan heard just so... Uh, no, no, he's just slurring his words. <laughs> That's what's going on I do, here. I do worry about that sometimes after we do these. Um, the visuals are strong, while the central narrative is weak. A disastrous combination for a long movie. Worst of all, Gangs of New York achieves far too little while trying much too hard. It's a story of violence, revenge, racial intolerance and class struggle. And it's a story told extremely well. Daniel Day-Lewis' magnetic portrayal of a 19th century gang lord who butchered his enemies as readily... The punctuation's killing me. Daniel Day-Lewis's magnetic portrayal of a 19th century gang lord who butchered his enemies as readily as he carved up a freshly killed hog. Not on the money today. It's been a long week. Gangs is Scorsese's impassioned, elegaic portrait of a time when blows were delivered with fists, bats and blades rather than airplanes, anthrax or keyboard strokes. It's his look back at a lost world, his urban western. And one where I didn't really know what it meant, but it sounded right. The best description of Gangs of New York is that it's like if all the characters in a musical spent three hours refusing to sing. <laughs> and I felt like I kind of knew what they were referring to. It does have an odd sort of musical tone, <laughs> despite not. If you watch the trailer on mute, you'll be convinced it is a musical. Hmm. But we'll start, as always, with the casting. So this, as we know, was kind of a passion project for Scorsese way before this film eventually does get made. Um, when the film was first conceived in 1978, Scorsese planned to cast Dan Aykroyd as Amsterdam Vallen and John Belushi as Bill the Butcher Cutting. Wow. The project fell apart after Belushi died and a cast reshuffle had Mel Gibson as Amsterdam Vallen and Willem Dafoe as the butcher. They got it right in the end. I don't know. I probably would I have think done... Willem Dafoe could do the butcher. Oh, he definitely can. I mean, I'm definitely... I definitely would have been in on um, Aykroyd and Belushi. You're a Dan Aykroyd stan though, aren't you? I do really like Dan Aykroyd. 
Martin Scorsese said in an interview that he offered he offered first the part of Bill the Butcher cutting to Tom Hanks. He loved the script, but had to turn yes. the part down due to his work in Road to Perdition. As we were doing a gangster film anyway. I, I want to see evil Tom Hanks. You can't see it. Bill the Butcher. Yeah, Tim Allen in his Amsterdam. I, I, I do like the fact that they go a bit younger with you. You're my Amsterdam murder. Mm. Well, Sarah Michelle Gellar was originally cast as Jenny. She backed out because of scheduling complications with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, naturally, what are you going to do? I mean, in fairness, we say this, we laugh now, but that was guaranteed money, and I bet they were paying, paying her a decent wedge back then. She was probably on a guarantee, to be honest. Yeah, I imagine she was earning very, very good money. Others that auditioned for the role, Christina Applegate, Kate Beckinsale, Kirsten Dunst, Heather Graham, Bryce Dallas Howard, Alyssa Milano, Natalie Portman, Christina Ricci, Winona Ryder, and Mina Suvari, Keenan's girl. Yeah, there's a lot in there, a lot of talent in that. All auditioned for the role of Jenny Everdeen, and we will speak about Cameron Diaz in just a little bit, because Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a pig. <laughs> no, that that wasn't a piggish comment. I'm saying it's one of the worst performances in a big film I think I've ever seen. Oh wow, that seems harsh. <laughs> I, I don't know if you watched the same film I did. <laughs> well, after we've just listened to your take on Gangster Squad, are you sure you watched the same film that you did? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we we'll have to revisit this five years time to make sure you've got the right idea. <laughs> Gangster Squad is held very differently to Gangs of New York. In fact, Scorsese doing Gangster Squad would probably have been fantastic. No, uh, no, I don't think so. With that cast as well. Mm. This marks the first teaming between Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio, which began a long collaboration spanning more than 20 years and many movies. He says he first became interested in working with DiCaprio based on Robert De Niro's recommendation after he'd worked with him on This Boy's Life in 1993 and had been thoroughly impressed with his talent. That's a, that's a, that, that's a scouting report you want, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's a five-star <laughs> sign this player at all costs. You might get a message from Sean soon, by the way. I told him to message you about Rivaldo. You are. I was speaking to Sean about Football Manager and I said, anytime you speak to Keenan about Football Manager, I'll tell you about the time he signed Rivaldo. And he uh, said, we'll have to ask him about that. Honestly, absolutely slaughtered. Is it, is it Portsmouth? Huh? Is it a Portsmouth? No, it wasn't Pompey. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was, might have been the Neaton Borough. <laughs> and I brought him into the Championship. 40-year-old Rivaldo, by the way. And they were saying he's over it, getting slaughtered for the wages he's paying at the end of the year. <laughs> End of the year, he's the club's top scorer. He, he's won. He's he's one. I can't even remember what they call it in the championship. But he's one player of the season basically, and he's one writers player of the season. Yeah, genius. And he's fired the boys into the prem. Forty years hey, old. Sean doesn't need to ask you about it anymore. He's laughing now. He's laughing now. Sixteen goals at forty, and he's honestly average rating of about eight point seven. He was unbelievable, unplayable. Just did exactly what a forty-year-old should do. Just didn't need him to move. Just give, put the ball into his feet, and just let him play. Carried the team, did he? No, one percent. The rest of it. When I had George Boyd fucking playing up tops for me, 
<laughs> that is quite like, a drop-off. Much like Rivaldo in Keenan's team, Daniel Day-Lewis very much carries Gangs of New York on his back. Uh, to simulate Bill the Butcher's fake eye, Daniel Day-Lewis had his own eyeball covered in prosthetic glass. Oh. He then, over time, learned to tap his fake eye with the tip of the knife without blinking. Oh. That must have taken a lot of... Um... A lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, because I just couldn't do it. TK doesn't like eyes either. Couldn't get close to doing that. That's fucking brutal. There is such a thing as too committed, and I think Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> might be. Well, he does love the over. He does love the overkill, doesn't he? A lot of the well, stories yeah. about him for like Last of the Mohicans. You know, you probably didn't go and have to live there for like six months or whatever, Daniel. You probably could just wing this. Or he he employed two circus performers to travel and live at his home in Wicklow Island to teach him how to throw thin, sharp daggers. And he also booked a work placement in a butcher's shop for several weeks to learn how to meticulously incise and gut carcasses. See, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah. That feels very much... Um, during that time a few months back when Molly May was just getting cooked... <laughs> and they were just bringing back these clips of her saying like that she was going to see what a day's work was like with uh, the uh, staff at Pretty Little Thing and all this. And it was like, I'm having the best time at work. I'm two hours into my shift. Going to just do work experience like that when you are the kind of guy he is where you are so famous otherwise. It probably doesn't feel too bad having that as your day's work because you know it isn't going to be that for the rest of your life. So he probably has a whale of a time doing it. He has his day at the but he has his day at the butchers, then come home and just someone teaches him how to throw knives. Maybe you yeah, you might be right to be honest, but ultimately he don't need to be doing that. No, and he has the bonus of knowing that if he doesn't want to go in the next day, he probably doesn't. He doesn't have to. Well, not probably. He doesn't have to. So easy enough. Mm. Otherwise. Very weird bloke. I bet he was being paid his film wages for it, though, as well. Yeah, you know, he's got to be paid the butcher's wage. That's the only, it's the only fair. <laughs> I mean, he, he must have done a bit more training because during the ending of this film, when he's just flying through the smoke like one of the X Men, maybe he did some stealth training as well. Yeah. That was the he... time that I spent. He is very good in this film, though, isn't he? He he is the standout performance in this film. Is if you go into this film and you don't like his performance, then you're not going to like the film because he has a scene with I think every on-screen character. The narrative it's not a particularly complex narrative, and so it is very much driven by him from start to finish. And as we've just seen there, it does really feel like he dived straight into it he does play a villain about as good as you can see a villain played. Yeah, he plays a bastard perfectly, doesn't he? Yeah, and there's, and there's layers descends, to it as well. Descends into madness more as this film goes on as well, which he's always good at. Sort of like, there will be blood, he just gets more and more mental as it goes on. It's that same sort of thing here. Well, I think I spoke about it maybe it was with Keenan or maybe it was on a Monday podcast the other week where I said that he's almost just held up as like the goat and it's never really questioned. And 
the films that I'd seen of him previously, I probably hadn't seen his best work to be able to pinpoint a performance. Having seen this now, it feels very much of um, if I was asked, what's the best performances in a film you've seen? This would be one of the ones that I would reel off because it's three hours and he's just smashing it from start to finish. And it just does feel like someone, as I said, it, it, it is 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 all in, and it's the perfect casting. Yeah, I pretty firmly agree on that one. What do you reckon, Keenan? Um, yeah, I do. I, I do. You do have to like him in this film to enjoy it at, at all. I I don't know. I don't, it's just certain. You're not going to like this. Answer. There's something about him that I just sometimes can't get past, and I can't describe it. I can't describe it to you. What just, in this film? It, yeah, they're in this film, but just in general, just in like. And I know, like you say, he's everyone's oh, he's the greatest actor ever. I feel strange if if you like the film as much as you do if you're unsure on him. I never told you I like this film. You said I think I've got a text from you saying I really like this film, and I'm pretty sure you're not going to like it. No, no, I, I, I knew you wouldn't like it. I don't think I told you I liked it. I think it's okay. I thought it was okay on the rewatch anyway, I'll be honest. I don't know if, I don't know if I've done a disservice with this double header last night. I was sort of, I was sort of just trying to, I was just trying to get through it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I do, there is something about him in this film that I can't, and I think it's him in general. I don't know how to describe it to you. Just everything. It's just everything seems overacted. But I don't want to say that because everyone thinks he's amazing. Well, I do think the the sort of the idea that he's like an undisputed goat for a lot of people. I do think it's a little bit weird. Um, but Luke is right about. I guess when he's at his best in this, I can at least see the argument. I just I do find it a bit odd that yeah he is just held up as no this is the best and everyone else is sort of playing catch. I find it a bit weird. I think uh, he's one of them where he's got almost the mystique around him as well there's the stories of him going crazy on stage and seeing ghosts when he's performing in london because he's so in character and all the different roles that he chucks himself into i mean just the stories we've seen here and um, he's famously selective as to what he does so you can kind of if you go a little bit at a time about seeing it that probably does help add to what you've just said as well rather than if he's just taking every role you know i'm sick of this guy yeah <laughs> What do you think it is that makes him such a good villain in this? Because predominantly speaking, when I saw the basis of the film, and I don't know what kind of villain he is uh, 15 minutes into the film, Liam Neeson has gone out to try and kill him. He's gone out to try and kill Liam Neeson. The sheer fact that he's the guy that wins that, that battle shouldn't mean that Leo is going after him in the way that he is that he's this treacherous, treacherous guy because I know he's killed his dad, which, fair enough, but they were at war. This is what they were supposed to be doing. You only see later on down the line just what a vile bloke he is. And it's always good when you see, as you said, the gradual descent as they go through that. I guess if we complained about maybe a lack of character development in Gangster Squad, you have the quite the opposite of it here. <laughs> Nobody came away from this going, oh, I just wish they'd added a bit more depth, a bit more, a couple more <laughs> minutes onto the film, a bit more development. That would have helped. Yeah. 
one of the perks that he does have in this film that others don't is he does have a consistent accent throughout. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because this is... <laughs> My yeah, way. It's funny. From, if, from the jump, you are... The, and I guess if you want to give some give the benefit, benefit, benefit of the doubt, you can go, well, the whole point here is some immigrants have arrived at different times than others, so maybe the accents would fluctuate a bit. I'm loving it. But my word, yeah, ridiculous. I, I'd be offended if I saw this put up on... If, if I asked someone their top five Leo performances and this was on there, I, I think that'd be a rough call. Yeah, that would be... His, his, uh, accents, but I, his final I monologue. You probably could have picked someone better to be in this. His final monologue, the accent goes so many different directions. I'm like, I have no idea who this is. Yeah. Oh. I kind of skip past and do something first. So the original cut of this film ran an hour longer. So you could have had an even longer. You could have had an even longer go tomorrow. Um, oh, even longer last night, Keenan. Mm. I wouldn't have enjoyed that. He was basically Scorsese going back and forth with Harvey Weinstein. It was the first time they'd worked together. And Weinstein is telling him that he needs to make a film that's more commercially viable. And Scorsese is telling him that you, you can't let me make this film without me making my unequivocal vision of what it should be. And so... Ultimately, they compromise the three-hour film and not a four-hour film. So Scorsese, it's fair to say, does win that battle. Do you think we could have done with more storylines than just a single revenge mission? Because this is a lot of cat and mouse. It almost isn't really cat and mouse because he's right there with him for three hours. And I think you said to me uh, in the week, TK, um, even the biggest fan of this film, I think, wouldn't be able to argue that you could certainly take some time off it. Yeah, you can trim it down, can't you? I think if uh, it's quite a big if, you could get, if they could have trimmed this down to like two hours 10, I think people, if you could somehow squeeze that, people would be talking about this as a better film. I think think people would really be holding this up in high regard. I do really like it, but there's no getting around. Like, what is it, like two hours 50 around that? You're like, oh, this is a slog and it feels it. But it's interesting because they, they've gone so much of a way into really packing out what, what feels like a world they've created, which was very big for the time, despite it just being New York. In that time frame, the only one you'd really be able to put alongside it is Gladiator. And that is Ridley Scott, who's really was just renowned for building these entire worlds and these set pieces. And so uh- when you've got all of this space, it feels like we get shown it but you could have done a bit more with it. Like some of the sub storylines are interesting, but we just don't get as much on them as we could have in a film of this length. Is it that one critics review you read says it aims to do too much and achieves too little or something along those lines? That's probably a decent way of summarizing it. Scorsese has got this like giant canvas to work with, but he kind of doesn't, have I don't think he has enough memorable characters really to carry the weight of everything that's going on around them. Um, the revenge storyline feels a bit hollow after it's been going for that long, 
and he hasn't taken the opportunities to kill him. Um, and then I don't know if Amsterdam, if there's enough about him that we warm to him to the point where we're really rooting for him in that sense. So I don't know how you two felt about it. I felt that I was almost rooting for the downfall of the butcher more than I was rooting for Amsterdam to avenge his dad or really fulfill what he was trying to do. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think you, you do end up that way, mate. Which is weird for a Leo from, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, yeah. You're on board pretty easy. But uh, yeah, that's probably true. I haven't, I haven't really thought of it. Like, yeah, it probably is more about hoping Bill falls rather than rooting for Leo. Probably true. This is essentially like Scorsese's love letter to New York. And you see that in the credits. And I don't know how good it is when a lot of people say the best scene in your film is the credits. I've not seen that since The Hangover, which isn't, which isn't great. But um, <laughs> I was taken back a bit by the kind of. I do cartoonish style um it didn't really feel like a scorsese movie to me because he usually goes for quite a like a realistic approach when you look at like casino goodfellas taxi driver they all feel like they portray like real people whereas these i know you are going by kind of accounts of the people that he's uh, including it just felt very different and i imagine a lot of people think about this film that they've been misled which they haven't because it is a Scorsese film. It's just not the Scorsese film. When you see gangs in the title and then you stick it on, it's not what you expect. I do wonder how much that hangs over this film. Is When you hear Gangs of New York, Scorsese, you're expecting probably The Godfather meets Goodfellas. And you obviously end up with something totally different, different time period entirely. And I like that he's done something different here, a different time period that isn't explored that much. But I do wonder how much what people expected it to be coming in does affect the whole experience of watching it, particularly when it's a long film like it is. It seems this is what he wanted to do more than the other films that he's more revered for. I do like the idea as well. I do think it's a an underexplored probably area. But yeah, it seems an odd thing to say Martin Scorsese could have done something better. But I feel yeah. like potentially he could have done it better. Yeah, it feels like um, when I said about people being misled, if you do sit down expecting to watch one thing and you do get the opposite, whether what you do get is something that you still enjoy, it maybe still leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Like, yeah, yeah. If 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 you're biting, if you think you're biting into a slice of pizza and it's a bar of chocolate, it could be a really nice bar of chocolate. But if you're expecting pizza, it's probably not going to satisfy you in the same way that you're anticipating which is a far better explanation than I had written down where I said it's like putting on a Tarantino film and getting Zero Dark Thirty, which I don't really know what I meant by that. <laughs> oh, you probably explained it still better than I just said. So it's all right. We got <laughs> pizza and chocolate. That's about our level. We got it. it. It kept getting pushed back. And so perhaps maybe the ending hits harder for Americans because there's a lot about this is the most patriotic scene ever. Uh, it was pushed back to 2002. So you end the film with this big shot of the Twin Towers, obviously. Mm. Which are no longer there when the film is released. I thought it was interesting. When this film came out, there was this real rhetoric around Scorsese in the same way that we got with DiCaprio with The Revenant, where it was like, when is he going to get his Oscar? And a notable critic at the time William Goldman, and you can go back and read this, it's online, wrote 
quite a scathing piece called Crashing the Party for Poor Marty. <laughs> and I've got an excerpt from it. And he said, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm sick to death of feeling guilty about Martin Scorsese. Here are the names of five great directors. Charlie Chaplin, Howard Hawks, Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, and Orson Welles. What do they have in common? For all their fame and brilliance, none has won an Oscar for Best Direction, and neither has Scorsese. Should the five have won? Absolutely. But it's not a mortal sin that they didn't. Should Scorsese? You bet. A couple of times. Taxi Driver, obviously. Raging Bull, obviously. This year, more than ever, it's like there's a Byzantine plot to get Scorsese the honour. Now, he does make some valid points if you read the whole thing, but also, I, I wanted to give you that just to preface the rest of what I'm about to say because he does clearly have an issue with Scorsese that may affect his viewing yeah. of the film. Um, he was asked as to why he gave the film such a negative review at a time when all other critics were screaming about it from the top of the highest mountain. He says, The lack of an answer is what demolishes the movie. Is it about gang warfare, family revenge, Irish immigration, the civil war, the draft, political corruption, prejudice, these subjects and more, all of them valid enough alone, flick it in and out, never accumulating or connecting one to the other. I think there's something in that. Now, yeah. clearly he has an issue with Scorsese. <laughs> beforehand so it's not as cut and dried as he's loved Scorsese all the time and so you'd say what well, is he's obviously being fair he loves Scorsese otherwise but when you do have a three hour film you'd perhaps expect more boxes to be ticked off because you've got the the draft political corruption and prejudice that effectively are crammed into like the last half an hour Yeah, that that part is true. I do think he links in the immigration issue and the civil war issue and prejudice involved with that. I do think that is linked in quite well. But how crucial that's ever going to be to a story, I don't know. Should we talk about Cameron Diaz? <laughs> um, I feel like you want it. Well, she was unhappy that her six-week contract kept getting extended to the point where she spent six months on the film rather than six weeks. I don't know how much of what we see is her being entirely fed up that she's still there. <laughs> I, I think she was just an unnecessary character. I, I understand from a marketing standpoint how it would have helped, but she just didn't make much sense at all. Like She somehow... There wasn't much about her. She'd won the hearts of Johnny, uh, the Butcher, and Amsterdam. Was there no other woman in the five points? <laughs> we see, I think, one other woman, and it's like someone referenced from history who used to sharpen her teeth. Yeah, actually based on a real person, though. Yeah. So maybe it's not a shock that they are all after Cameron Diaz. I messaged you about her character yesterday, TK, and I mean, you, you explained just quite how we, we know she's Irish. <laughs> yeah, 
you said about her having red hair. So well, how else are we going to possibly know she's Irish? I have no other idea. Oh, it's definitely not the accent. Does her Irish accent take the heat from Leo? Because I think he gets off quite lightly. Yeah, probably. His probably fluctuates worse than hers. Hers is just regularly bad. She gets 15 his... million for this, by the way. That's not bad work if you can get it. I, <laughs> I think I would put up with being there for six months rather than six weeks. Yeah. I'm getting paid that sort of money. She stands out also the fact, I mean, she's clean. She stands perfectly straight. She's got perfect teeth, skin, hair. And they do this thing where every time the Irish accent starts to wear you thin, they have two occasions where they basically just say, if you just look down my top for a second here and just forget everything that's happened previously. I mean, <laughs> where's my necklace? And go, hang on, I'll have a little look down here for a second. And Works then they just go back as if it. nothing's happened. Yeah, works your charm, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it works better than it should. But <laughs> I would hope if if you're getting 15 million, you should be going to the lengths of Daniel Day-Lewis and having your own vocal coach for this and studying the dialect and ensuring that you're not the one letting the side down. I don't think she's as bad as you do. But she's not. It's not her finest, is it? I do think she's a necessary character. I disagree with you there. I do think she's necessary. But uh, yeah, could they have done more of her? Maybe. Maybe. But look, we got a lot in here. If you're going to have her in this much, then give her a bit more depth. Than look, I've slept with a couple of people. Don't hold it against me. I struggle to wonder how Leo gets Leo gets to the point where she does point out. They're far enough down the line at this point where he then has an issue with the fact that she's been with someone previously, particularly the butcher. Yeah, his repeated sort of... Because he pulls her up later, doesn't he? Is there anyone in the five points you haven't slept with? I was like, you're getting the picture here, mate. If you've got the problem (laughs) at this stage, it's not her. Well, no, and like, if there was ever going to be a film version of Treat and Mean, Keep Him Keen, she's, she's got with probably the two bastards in the town. Why didn't she give Johnny a chance? No. <laughs> Let's speak about Johnny. Can we not speak about his death? Can we just pretend that didn't happen? Because I <laughs> squirm thinking about it. Is he forgiven a little easily? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, he quite literally sells him out to die. Yeah. <laughs> and then goes, yeah. hands up. It was me. I made a mistake. I hope you can get past it. He is their answer to bother. <laughs> See, this guy is, for not really a lot, just being a little bit pissed off, he's basically sold his mate out. And to be fair, with, with bother, and it's the only time I think I'll ever say that, he felt like his mates of years and years have been taken away from him. What's he, he in Amsterdam he, at this point? About a month? The Lord is, I'm not oh, sure. He's a fully grown man who couldn't deal with the fact that someone liked an American bloke. That is it. And then he said, I'll, I'll give you the location so he can go kill you. But yeah. The, yeah, jo- Johnny is, uh, seems like a nice kid, but he really is just, he shouldn't be welcome back into the fold like he is. It's outrageous. Um, in this film, they go for. Um the dating method methodology that's almost referenced in peep show where 
look, just line up the best looking people from start to finish of one sex. I don't know how this works with same sex, but maybe we'll, we'll sort that out. Line up the other sex, best looking to worst, and you just match them up that way. It seems probably a bit less humiliating than having a queue. A queue of people <laughs> where she doesn't even look you in the eye and goes, nope, nope. And you have to tiptoe past to the next one. I didn't get the impression there was any other women there. So did everyone just turn up on the off chance? Because if I'm, I don't know who the equivalent of uh, Cameron Diaz would be in this area. But if they were doing this at the cathedral and they said, look, she's going to pick out the lad she wants to be with. Everyone come down. She'll say yes or no. I'm going to assume at this point I'm not going to go down. I feel like a lot of that queue could have done the same. I mean, how shortchanged do you feel when you turn up and you see Leo in the queue? I know he's not looking his best in this film, but you're looking at him, oh, for fuck's sake. No, that... That feels like him in this film would be like uh, one of those shows you saw on MTV where there's someone with like the greasiest hair. You can barely see their face. They wear the worst clothes in the world and they give them a haircut and a new pair and a new pair of trousers. And they go, look at the transformation here. <laughs> Leo in this film, if you gave him a short back and sides, he'd be looking like a new man. Yeah, brush your teeth once and you'd be... Looking half decent. Daniel Day-Lewis says he, he shaved his head completely bald after this film because he was fed up with how greasy he had to be throughout filming. Wow. Shampoo probably would have done it. Yeah. That's Daniel Day-Lewis for you. Speaking of teeth, actually, this is a bit of a tangent. Um, I saw a clip on, I think it was TikTok the other day, actually. And it was from one of those um, like health programs of like, the worst things you could ever see on TV, basically. And it was a guy going into a dentist, and he said on there, I think he was 22, and he'd never brushed his teeth once. Oh. Because he said he'd never been told or shown how to do it. Oh, God. Now, he opened his mouth. On some teeth, they described there being like an inch of plaque coming off it and he was like well the longer I, the longer it went the more embarrassed I was to come here and the dentist says well look let's try and get some of this plaque off and we'll just see how many of these teeth we think we can save it's probably the worst thing I've ever seen and I, I wish put you that had in Human Centipede Part 2 where well, there's a bloke having a tug with sandpaper the first thing I thought of was Surely every time he eats, it's like breaking off chunks of that oh. that's already on his teeth. <laughs> like, how does anything oh. taste nice? I feel like if might... this conversation hadn't taken place, I really would. <laughs> I feel like I might need to send you the clip just to. No, 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 no. Just, no, no. Well, no just we'll to like, just to like tie things off, and kind of like I'm feeling like if I had to see it, that's a hundred percent what this is about. It's nothing, nothing else. <laughs> Well, it's, once it's on, it's like, I want to turn this off, but I can't. Take your word for that. Maybe you'll feel the same when I've sent you it. Yes. Um, the fighting in this film, and the ending in particular. 
the opening scene, what do you think of it? Because there's a lot of different kind of shooting styles in this. You've got this kind of long shot as they go through towards the door that uh, Mick opens up and they go out to battle. They're kind of introducing you to all the little gangs that are in between. And then the fighting in general is perhaps more violent than I expected it to be. I thought the actual fight was good. I thought the soundtrack to the opening battle was horrible. Because you feel like you either go music or you go drama there. They kind of landed somewhere in between with the soundtrack they put on it. I, really I wrote, weird. I wrote in my notes um, that it felt like the opening scene of Football Factory, and it's the only comparison you're going to get between those two films. But even well, in the way that the fighting is shot, like you've got these slow motion to then fast motion shots and they really love the slow motion in that opening scene. Yeah, yeah. And they do this thing where you kind of stand on the spot and you turn the camera horizontally as if someone's on the spot looking around. Yeah. And then they put this like blur through it added just to double down on kind of how lost you are in it. Another comparison would be (laughs) if you've ever seen the streets blinded by the lights music video. They did like, yeah. like a kill hood version of it where everything's just whooshing around to show how like ruined they are. And that's how it feels where you have the shots in that fighting. It is so strange. Yeah, I funny you say about the football factory thing or Green Street or whatever. It did make me think very much this is one bad accent of someone saying stand your ground and fight away from being exactly that. You said, you call it cartoonish. They could have, if they did it now, I reckon there's half a chance they put Daniel Day Lewis in a Ranger shirt and Neeson in a Celtic one and let them have it out. <laughs> uh, it's so, it was so weird seeing Liam Neeson there because I didn't know he was in this. And then probably even weirder when he then gets killed off early on. So it works quite well. The, the, whole, the, the, the whole fight scene is just, it's a, it's a great way to start the film. It's just that things kind of slow down for a period after that. Mick coming to take the money he's owed <laughs> was savage. <laughs> With the butcher going, look, it's not pleasant, but it's fair. <laughs> a touch indelicate, but fair. I'm, in fairness, that is a belter of a start to a film. That fight and then him kind of taking my mode. And then he's, he's legging it off. And then I don't know how they filmed the scene of him burying the knife because it's almost as if the camera glitches like it's done like they couldn't quite get it right the first time and so they used two takes it like flickers in the moment and then the idea that the knife's still there fair play (laughs) can you believe they had to convince John C. Riley to do this film yes what do you think he had a lot else on uh, I just think the bit part we might have killed him. I don't know what else he thought he was getting, and you weren't joking either. I've just heard you flicking your lighter. What do you mean? I just heard I you flick. You, you said earlier if you were you were smoking through. I well, I think when I said I was going to have a certain topic of conversation, so I don't know if you were bored or it stressed you out. No, no, I was paying attention. Sorry, I've just uh, I've just been trying to fix something, um, and so I've just been trying to sort what, in comparison, TK, what do you think about the fighting at the end of the film? Well, a nice parallel between this and Gangster Squad 
DiCaprio's have no chance against the butcher. He's got absolutely yeah, no he's chance. He's got he he literally if it was tail of the tape, <laughs> like the reach, the weight, the height, <laughs> the experience. He's got I mean he's just actually got the job lot. It's 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 close to that. You might as well just give him a slingshot and just call it David V. Goliath. There's been oh. nothing across the course of this film that's led you to think, you know what? I think he's got something for him. He beats yeah. up the no, old no, bloke. No. Uh, he beats up the old bloke. Yeah. How was but he ain't beating up a bit he ain't built up being up prime Bill Butcher, is it? No, when he beats chance. up the old bloke and there's someone in the background go, Oh, he even gave him the fish hook. <laughs> well, that that was it. That was what sealed it. <laughs> I say I guess he does need the assist from some sh- is it was it like shrapnel or something that wipes yeah. Bill out? So he said he needs a massive assist still, even was, with that being said. I was so disappointed with the ending of this film because he managed, yeah. to, get into a, he managed to get into the A bit as well, John C. Rowley. Yeah, just I, another, I was just, looking for his IMDb earlier. <laughs> yeah, he's done, done a bit. It's If you're going to have a film of this length, then really you need to go big with the finale. And the whole film, when you really add one singular storyline and it's, Amsterdam wants his revenge on the butcher and so I was I was waiting and I always make the comparison that when I was younger going to watch a Star Wars film and you really didn't care about anything else that was going on it was just how long is it until we get to this lightsaber fight at the end of the film and I remember thinking that with Phantom Menace and then Qui-Gon getting iced but I'm just waiting like okay well the the battle is going to be great here we're going to have these two guys going head on and probably he's going to kill the butcher and it's going to be this big finale. And then you you just don't really get that. And I think I understand what Scorsese's trying to do in that and kind of show how insignificant they are in the grand scheme of things. And that's why you get the credit scenes in the way you do. But uh, we kind of just have to settle for Amsterdam for the second time, putting someone out of their misery. It just feels very unfulfilling. Yeah, you're probably right. A, bit, a big ending to this probably would seal, seal the deal. And make you maybe not think of it as quite a long, as long a film as it feels. But, uh, I, I was even more convinced. There's a big, big send-off as well, probably. Yeah, and I was even more convinced after the way that he takes out a Monk, which is, <laughs> is, is, a, is a cool kind of shocking moment. And yeah. so I, I thought, okay, we haven't got the clash between those two. So we're definitely going to get an even bigger one now because, look, there's no one else to stop him other than Amsterdam. And then and then you, you just don't get it. And so it's I'm not like, blaming Monk, but I'm not sure I ever turned my back on Bill the Butcher. No. <laughs> or, or to be honest, any man that carries around a meat cleaver, I think <laughs> I'm just going to stay facing you just to make sure. Whether he carries it or not, a guy that is referred to as the Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably the biggest point. <laughs> but that's that is a very valid point. They do just call him the butcher. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, do you see what I mean though? When there's all the fog at the end of the film, and suddenly the butcher has just got the turn of pace like Theo Walker at 16, <laughs> and he's dashing in and out and getting these little slices in. The butcher becomes like Mike Myers out of nowhere for a second. It's insane. Just an agile man. That's another reason why Amsterdam loses that fight. You ain't got that agility. Well, the, oh, he gets the assist, but it, it's, it was disappointing. Um, I think 
like I, the film for me was ultimately average and i may have thought worse of it if the the pair of you hadn't really put in my head that i was really despised this beforehand i didn't uh, i honestly didn't think this i didn't think you were going to go in for this at all to be fair you know it almost didn't make the bracket keenan when i look back to search um mm. we'd finished the bracket and i messaged you to say gangs of new york any good what did I then, say? Uh, you said yeah and that you were shocked that uh you hadn't thought of it prior yeah I get that. Now having rewatched, having, re- having rewatched it, I think I think we might have been right the first time round. <laughs> uh, yeah, held up a lot better in the memory than it did on the screen. But then, when I've sent people to fix your list, otherwise, I've got several messages. Oh, Gangs of New York—that's a good one. So oh, I, I've heard I've heard far memory. more positives than negatives about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like. Thought I might have been being a bit facetious when I said you cut forty five out of it, but you can't you you couldn't convince me you could streamline this and make it ultimately a better film. I saw a it suggestion. Great, that the, it? I saw a Two suggestion hours. that the butcher should have killed him when they're doing the show. And that, that's the end of the film. And ultimately, look, you can't kill the butcher. You tried to get your revenge, you couldn't. Yeah. See you later. Fair enough. Look, ultimately, <laughs> big man runs five points. That is exactly how it would have ended, I tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> Amsterdam just does not have enough about him to pull off anything here, so he would definitely get killed ASAP. It's it's pretty mental. If we commented on how easy um, Matt gets in with Pete in Green Street, he gets in with a butcher pretty quickly. He not only gets in with the butcher pretty quickly, someone who seemingly doesn't have too many people close. Bear in mind, in a card game, he stands he stabs someone in the hand. So even people that are like near him obviously just don't get that near. He infiltrates this gang, and somehow, by the way, 16 years after he let people are recognising it. Yeah, I was gonna... people people are doing double takes. Like, is that do I know this face? Mitch stopping him in the street. I just wanted to get a look at your face. Can you blame oh. me? <laughs> people are half recognising someone 16 years after the event, and yet he still managed to get into this group pretty easily. He's done well for himself. Um, I also think that you know the bits where he saves Butcher. Yeah, probably what they're guilty of. They never really because they're obviously alluding to. He's sort of questioning, well, why have I saved this guy? I want to kill him, and is he having some sort of split loyalty? But I don't think you ever really like care. You're never that invested, thinking, oh, is he actually starting to like the Butcher? Like, you never really. That's never it's, really explored. It's just kind of put there. It's the one where he tries to jump in front of the bullet. And actually, we did. Um... 22 Jump Street a fortnight ago, Keenan, where Jonah Hill tries to jump in front of the bullet to save Channing Tatum, and he has mm. to say, I, I jumped in front of a bullet for you. And he's like, well, it, but it hit me. And he's like, no, but the point is, I, I jumped, <laughs> like, I tried to jump in front of it. I actually, I, for the record, I actually agree with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously, if the act that counts, but the thought is there, like, I would act like, I actually did, just not, I would jump in front of a bullet for you. I actually did. Yeah, fair enough, I admit, but. I was all in on it. That's like trying to claw it out of the top corner. Sometimes it just goes in. Well, that, that was one it of those. It depends, though, because it's, it depends on the dive, doesn't it? Because it's sort of, it could be like when you, well, I tried to tackle him. Like, did you, though? Did you really try? So, oh, well, when, look, I threw myself in front of this. When the keeper dives after the ball's gone in the net and he's yeah. like, well, I had to do something. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just, it's, it's an honest to goodness effort. Do you know what I mean? All right, it's, it's an honest challenge, isn't it? It goes yeah. all in. 
I thought it was they were going to go down the line of um, he was kind of taking him under his wing like he was the father figure that he doesn't that's have That's what any. I mean, yeah. That's never really explored, is it? Like if he could have had some sort of complex where he actually did start seeing Bill as like a father figure, that what could have added say? something to it. You don't real you uh, you don't realize until you're under the dragon's wing just how warm it is, which is quite it's a cool line. line. But yeah, also I would probably assume it'd be quite warm under there. To be fair, <laughs> not under Bill's wing. That's that's a cold place, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that scene with uh, the knife throwing. Is there anything? that either Amsterdam or Jenny can do in that situation. Like, he goes to stand up a couple of times. Really, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? And she gives him a look where I kind of thought, you really are stuck in a situation here because there isn't much you can do to get out of this. No, you just... I mean, she you, she could have left earlier. Once it's lined up, once the show started, she's struggling. Yeah, yeah. you've got to see what happens. There's nothing you can do. Who is it that um, he hits he at hit some point and he goes, goes full Liam Neeson in Taken and just yells out, That's a wound. It's a flesh wound, yeah. It's a flesh wound. <laughs> he does that in this film and then he's like, That's a kill. Yeah. It's when he shoots the man, it's when he shoots the fellow in the ice and he's like, Yeah, it's a flesh wound. <laughs> I saw it in this film and I was oh that's exactly why it just ties in perfectly like I don't know if there it was like a private joke between um is it Lucas Bourdain that does Taken um and they just wanted to get that in because, because it, in Taken it feels so off kilter like at least it's coming from a villain in this I know so the fact that you shouldn't laugh at this but the, when they they got the thing coming off the boat and they're all booing basically the image to throw something this guy just throws a rock at that woman's face and just carries on <laughs> <laughs> just bounces off her head well when they lose the boxing match they just seem to just chuck the people into the water <laughs> double whammy um <laughs> is there anything else that anyone wants to add before we get into the judging no only that whenever you have anything Irish or Scottish, you'd have the same faces that they just throw in there. Just as 100%. many Irish or Scottish people as they can find. You see it with like Braveheart, it'd be like, this is every Scottish actor, I'm pretty sure, except for the lead, obviously, which you couldn't possibly be. <laughs> they just throw it in, or if in doubt, they just go, we'll stick an English person in there. It's every yeah. single time. If they do yeah. it now, um, they definitely cast that... Um ginger one from game of thrones the wildling that's actually married to john snow in real life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she definitely gets a call up here uh of the of the list of people that did audition for cameron diaz who do you think does the best job well, i can give you the names again and just kate beckinsale was the standout one on that list i don't think you have yeah. too many arguments there uh is Kirsten yeah, Dunst linked just because she's ginger? Like, are we thinking yes. that's the sole case? The same with Mina Suvari. Yes. And the same with Bryce Dallas Howard, to be fair. There's a very clear <laughs> way they've gone here. Yeah, like, it's like, it's like Seacoast, so you've got to know she's Irish summer. That's just the easy way of doing that. A few years later, they stick Emma Stone in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if she can do an Irish accent. 
She can't do one worse than Cameron Diaz. Let's get Isla Fisher and just make this a different film. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, get weird. Randomly have her be an Aussie. And she's like, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Alright, uh, where are we? There we are. Okay, TK, I'll go to you first. Which film do you prefer? This, this is tough. I, I feel a bit dirty saying it, but I think I may actually prefer Gangster Squad. I mean, didn't expect that. Keenan, what about you? I still do prefer Gangs of New York when it's all said and done. I prefer Gangster Squad. Keenan, uh, do you think Gangs of New York is more rewatchable than Gangster Squad? I don't know. TK? This is... This is tricky. This is basically what led to my last night. I do think I would probably watch Gangster Squad quicker than I would watch Gangs of New York next time. So I'll go with Gangster yeah, Squad is more rewatchable. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are some films that I know are better, but we've done it on the pod a few times. There are films that I know are better that I prefer, but just for different factors, I'm, you you put the other on. Yeah. Yeah, objectively yeah, speaking, I think. Objectively a better film, I think. <laughs> I think it's a much better film, to be honest, but... Um, I still know which one I'd sooner watch. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like last night, genuinely sitting down to watch. Maybe I should have done it on Monday, Monday and Tuesday. I did say to you on Monday. <laughs> you did, yeah, but usually it was late, and I didn't want to start putting one on. I've told you before because if I put one on, I'm not going to bed. I've got to sit until the end. I've got to say, nice. My my answer would be to check your skills calendar sooner. Wow, you think I know these things? <laughs> Well, the second I said, you don't have Skittles Thursday, do you? You went, oh, I might have Skittles Thursday. What time were we speaking? Because I guarantee you a text only come for about 10 minutes before. 10 past 10. All right. What what night was it? Monday. All right. Right, yeah. I'll tell you. Because you might be right. And if you're right, I'll tell you. Fair enough. I'm going to assume the fixture was scheduled before Monday. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I ain't checking that. I'm going to run the team. (laughs) That could be be your issue. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I, what do I run the team? No, I just got told when's be here. Uh, it was 16 minutes past eight, I was informed, on Monday. So it wasn't 10 minutes before, my apologies, about an hour and a half before. All right, well, what do you think is the best moment or scene across the two films? I'm, I'm going with the hotel lobby in Gangster Squad. TK? So I didn't actually hear what you said. I heard the, the answer, best, the best uh, moment slash scene across the two films. The record you two could have put that in a could have put that in your Christmas special. Could have, yeah. Always, there's always this year. I don't know. Some, something with the butcher, maybe the the knife throwing when he's launching the knives at Cameron Diaz. There's some actual tension there at that point. I'll go for the opening fight in uh, Gangs of New York. Keenan, best quote. Uh, I do like the dragon's wing, but it's probably it's any of Bill's chat to be honest. One thing to be said about him, I do quite do do quite like him. I do like quite like his chat. Uh, TK, some of the delivery. Yeah, if you if you're around him, especially how terrifying he is, you'd just be amping up. You'd be laughing every time he said something half decent. This guy. 
the there's a bit in games New York and goes, is that man drunk? And the guy goes, dead as good Friday, miss. I enjoyed that. That's, I'm going to have that. <laughs> what about two things you can't take back on the job, kid? Bullets out of your gun and words out of your mouth. Cheesy. How, it, how hard do you think it is to have a conversation with Nick Nolte? I feel like you really have to concentrate on every word he's saying. <laughs> that's, yeah, but that's a man that's that's a lot of drink that's gone into that. Yeah, it's going to say that's a, a lot of gallons of beer there. Him hosting a podcast would be crushed. Build a butcher randomly throwing out um, throwing out the N word at one point is just weird as well. There's there's about half an hour towards the end where it just goes absolutely mental to the point where the priest is having to throw hands. Yeah. <laughs> is your favourite quote, TK? Uh, the good thing about only having one fork. God, absolutely not. Did I get an answer from you there? I've just lost my trail of thought. From me? Yeah. Yeah, that is good Friday, Mr. Oh, there we go. Right. Uh, Keenan, MVP. Probably your boy Amsterdam, isn't it? I'm going with Brolin. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going with the butcher. <laughs> Byron's told you before. Can't be. Not technically my rule, just one I've followed since. Not that yeah, I think Sean what? should still have rules that apply. Yeah, that disgrace. Well, it has to be the good guy, is that what you're saying? No, it was effectively, no, no. If, if you if you die, we struggle to give you the MVP. Oh, uh, okay. you got to accomplish the mission. I see. Probably is Amsterdam then, but he's a lucky fucking boy. He's a lucky bastard. There's no, um, I mean, there's Gos- no rules Gosling. here. We, we take the butcher. Goslin's not. Um, Goslin's an okay shout as well. I think the fact that he sits out the main fight. In fact, when we look back, I actually don't know what he gets right. <laughs> he endangers. I suppose he gets Emma. He gets Emma Stone to the witness stand, but he tries stopping her from doing that. He goes out with the the worst person he could go out with. He gets his mate killed by dropping her off there. Uh, the car chases in the passenger seat. Uh, he ends up in the prison. Yeah, he literally fails to save the uh, shoe shine kid. Yeah, he's putting up uh, Jason Tatum numbers in the finals. <coughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> is that no good? No, I don't know. You use these references. I don't know what any of them mean. I'm just being nasty for, for no real reason. It really is. And this is where Sean's MVP thing is basically born out of, isn't it? It's basically the whole thing with the MVP. You can't lose and get it. It's essentially, yeah. he's segued this into you can't die and win it, which is a totally ridiculous notion. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first time we had actually in, input the rule, he tried giving it to someone that had died. Yeah, the amount of pods of yours I've listened with the three of you on, where Sean is basically changing each time. I his think he's giving it to the brother in Hell or High Water, <laughs> the one that had died and had brought the trouble on everyone. <laughs> he would question the definition of this thing and then just go completely the opposite direction. Um, Confusion Keenan. over Leslie Mann Hall of Fame, by the way, was one of my favourite things all the time. <laughs> just, I, no I, one ever really defining it as part of the magic. I, I still don't think that needed a definition. I feel like. 
that added something to it. I had a very it, clear yeah. vision in my head of who was Leslie Mann Hall of Fame to the to the point where I, I couldn't believe there was the... Named it after the wrong person because I felt it was disrespectful. But it started, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it started from me and Sean watching, probably would have been This Is 40 at the time. She looks good enough. And essentially, it wasn't saying that she's bad looking, but it was she looks better looking than she does. She she's getting she's you were calling a higher level. Let's call it what it is. You're calling a plane. Not me. I mean, Sean would argue he prefers that. This this is this is probably where it all fell down. Basically, you were saying that she was all great, and yet the three of you have all said she's great. (laughs) You've all said, you know what? She's pretty great, actually. No, no, because I said that from the jump. You can go back. Yeah, yeah, you have. I said that from pod numero uno when we tried to bring it in. I said it's disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah, but I'll tell you (laughs) even. Even that added something, though. The idea that this was just a shot at her every week was kind of... Yeah, it, that's what it felt like. And it was honestly, there was no need for it. Oh, no, I'll tell you what it went no down. no way I can phrase it. It was sold to me as... Shouldn't but would. It went, <laughs> it went downhill when um, you, and Keen, uh, you and Sean were saying that Natasha from American Pie was too fit to be in there. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't her. I was saying, you know. It was. It, was. Um, Heather, it wasn't. It was Heather. No, Thank you. it yes, wasn't. It was. it was Natasha. No, it wasn't. Because Heather, I think we it. agreed. Although, no, no I probably would put her Leslie. Yeah, I probably would actually, put her Leslie Mann. You're actually bang. You're you're just bang wrong. It was it was Heather we were talking about. It's Mina Suvari. I love them both in there. Well, go and listen to the pod, and I guarantee you, I'm right. It was off air. I thought I tried to get Heather put in that one, and Heather said no, no, no. She's no, not good not enough me, to no. get in there. Okay, I well, thought, there was a split because I thought Heather should be in there as well. And I said no, because I think she's far too good looking. And that was the whole point of it. I think Leslie Mann's better looking than Mina Suvari. It's irrelevant though, isn't it? Because you've named it after her. You're not, she wasn't your standard. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, no, but I just kind of want that debate now that I've mentioned it. Once again, you've just taken your, your piggish attitude. No, but you answer which one? Which yeah, one do you think is that better looking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. <laughs> so it means anything. <laughs> well, it means we're, we're, getting, we're getting closer to the definition. I think where it went wrong was when I started. <laughs> where it went wrong was where I'd created a graphic for the Leslie Mann Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, where we went wrong at any point was just having the Leslie Mann Hall of Fame. Don't get me wrong, but, I'm still. I'm still. There was a de- point. There was a point where I was going to tweet it to Natasha from American Pie. Yeah, and then for if she asks what this means, oh, it's my bad. I was pretty sure. I think I was trying to get Jessica from American Pie. No, I keep saying Natasha. That's what I mean. That's what I mean, Jessica. Yeah, I, 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 I think I was trying to trust name is, is Natasha like, Leon, no, isn't it? Yeah, it's I, Natasha I, Leon. Is, is the actress? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I knew you yeah, okay. meant the one with curly Yeah, Jessica. Yeah, yeah. We did have okay. You TK agree? This was where the debate was. Yeah, and my <laughs> point was, you said you one goes into it. I mean, as far and I was like, no. Because by your definition, she's too good looking. You were both like, no, I don't think she is. And I was like, yeah, I think she is. We were saying Jessica should be in there. That was never, I was never questioning I, that. I was, oh, no, I, I, I was saying, no, she shouldn't. Cause she shouldn't I thought it. I was saying that Jessica should be in there and you were all saying she wasn't fit enough. I no, was, no, it was a very, it was, it was a 2-2 split on that one. Oh. I can recall, in, I recall fairness, which side I was on. You're trying to reduce that to one part. I said we had a weekly discussion. Yeah, it was, it was off was air. Wasn't, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest. It was, a te- it was a great idea. 
probably terrible in the actual real world, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm st- I'm still banking for bringing it back. All yeah, I, mean, I, st- I stand behind it as a piece of work. I, I think it was great. Yeah, I mean, because if it if it was distasteful, it'd probably be bad if we had a ten minute discussion <laughs> based on names that should be included. So, in the middle of a gangs of New York versus gangs. Thankfully, we've not done that. Um, well, look, we've we've sold our own poison at this point. If it was distasteful, we've just got to fucking ride the rock. Yeah, you, you've got to stand behind. Look, this is yeah. the art of the time. What are you going to do? Go and drag down the first 32 pods we did. Well, no, I can't help but notice there's a big gap here. Yeah, we yeah. are. <laughs> Genuinely, every so often I, I have this um, daydream where the pod just goes mental. Like it's it's <laughs> like Joe Rogan level. And people decide they're just going to start from the start and listen through. And then there's <laughs> things that I just wouldn't even have considered were bad. Where someone's like, You said this about who? And then you've we start getting news articles. Oh yeah, there's definitely some out. No, some outlets in there. Should, some poll should. on the New York Times. Uh, should Jessica for American Pie be in the Leslie Mann Hall of Fame? <laughs> should, should Leslie Mann condemn Like genuinely, should Movie Madness have just strike oil? I'm, but I am fucked. <laughs> I've made, I've said some outrageous things in in the past. I mean, I'm getting better, but if you go and listen to our first bracket, honestly. I like, the, uh, I like the idea of it being that big that Leslie Mann presents each year <laughs> the first ballot, Leslie Mann Hall of Famers. It's just so insulting all around. She's insulted, the nominees are insulted. We've got like a big, big award ceremony. We've got a newcomer of the year. We've got a Rex Ryan Hall of Fame. We've got a Leslie that's, Mann Hall of Fame. we got the Seth Green side character of the year. Yeah. That's... Rex Ryan, I think we got we got spot on, to be honest. Um, yeah, but don't we were... give Sean too much credit for that, so we'll move on. Yeah, I think we were good there. Keenan, um, best side character? Um, so, I don't want to say Cameron Diaz, doesn't he? No, no, is that... Uh, I, I, uh, my consideration was actually leading towards uh, Emma Stone, and then my other thought was Brendan Gleeson. What about your man Rabisi? Yeah. No, I, I didn't know how much if you, if you like, what you would call of that ensemble, a side character or not. I mean, make it up as we go along, which is kind of our thing. I'd probably say anyone outside of Brolin, Gosling, and uh, Sean Penn. Oh, in fact, okay, so if you're giving me carte blanche, I'm going Michael Pena. Was there a point where you thought Michael Pena was too big to be a side character? You get weird about it. <laughs> I do, and I, I know the I know the reference um, where it was if they're on the poster, but yeah. And it's just like now, now I just we argue we we seem to bicker a lot these days. So I'm just trying to make this a nice experience for you. No, I mean there was a difference. To, you were saying that the doc from Back to the Future was a side character. I still stand by that. I was in like 17 minutes. The geese is actually just in 17 minutes of the film, but... Let's get carried. TK, who's your side character? I just don't know. Monk. I'll go with Monk. It's a good show. It's a good show. I'm going Rabisi. I probably said his name wrong, but 
we'll go with it. The one, uh, Christina Ricci, uh, was the one that killed me earlier when you just said, Yeah, Christina Ricci. <laughs> Didn't want to, I wasn't going to comment at the time, but it did I'll tell you, I, I, I think my, I would have been, be, been being a dick to single it out, but it did make me chuckle. So I've just done it now. You're right. Well, I'm still quite scarred from when I said biopic. And the laugh there made me feel like if, if you could see how I'm saying this small, yeah. because I'd made the mistake previously and um, I actually made it to Blackson when we used to work together and I said biopic. And you know that look someone gets on their face when they just know they've got you? <laughs> and he smirked and I thought, I've got to stick with this. And he's like, what'd you say? <laughs> he said he said you mean he said you mean biopic and I don't know it's a different word. He said, What does your what what does what does the one you mean then? And I was like, I just don't be a dick. I don't know why you're why you're doing this. Like, I you I know what all, I said. I mean, in in your defence, all you've done is you've essentially hyphenated the word. Which is a portmanteau anyway, so you've not done and the word. So I kind of had a bit of a flash forward where I was looking at earlier how to say uh whether it is Byzantine or Byzantine for uh, for that by, for by, Byzantine for one of the reviews. Yes, that is how you say it. But I oh, thought if I get that. this wrong and I hear it, <laughs> I'm just gonna have to press stop recording. I <laughs> <laughs> still to this day know your worst mistake on this pod. I dread to think. <laughs> to for, for me, I know TK's. For me, it will always be the Terence Howard. <laughs> but. When the fact that they are like known as lookalikes, it's how many times you got confused. <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on because <laughs> we thought we cleared it up, and then about a minute later, you've confused yourself again. And I was like, right, okay, We're, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> Keenan, which film has the better character development? Gangs of New York, TK. Yeah, we've got two ends of the spectrum here. One doesn't <laughs> develop the characters at all, and one gets us far too much. It's Gangs of New York. Keenan, most dramatic scene? Most dramatic scene? Probably the opening of Gangs of New York. TK? Yeah, I think so. I'll go for the uh, throwing knives. I was did, That did cross my mind, but for some reason... It's hard on a. Do you know, like for dramatic scenes, you probably tell me I sound like an idiot here, and you're welcome to do so. If I've seen a film before, unless it's some I like, love the bones off. Off, like it don't like doesn't. There's not a lot of scenes that sh- send me to the same place, like edge of the seat wise, a second time around. And no. maybe that does it a disservice for that for that question. Because I just when the lights go out in silence of the lambs, I'm convinced that would still get me going. But when um, it's like um. But it's like knowing that she's she's not about to meet like she's not about to die. It, it yeah, yeah. Sort of drags you back a little bit, and I don't I don't know if that's unfair or not. Just how I feel. Um, Keenan, best soundtrack. Probably Gangster Squad. TK. Yeah, Gangster Squad. I think. Agreed. TK originality. Go with Gangs in New York. Agreed. You know, part of the issue they say with uh, the narrative in Gangs of New York is the book that it's based on is is a non-fiction book. It's just a sequence of just different odd stories from around the time, just to paint a mm. picture. Yeah, and Scorsese yeah, yeah. just decided to make a narrative-based film out of that. 
Um, Not one of them I'd take on originality, you know? Yeah, I was just to have that trivia that I had on my list I'd forgot to say. So, Keenan, which um, film do you think is more original? I do think it's Gangs of New York. Is there, um, I don't know, it's hard to describe because I think I know roughly what you're talking about. Is it like, it's not like a collection of like interviews and like articles and stuff? No, it's, it's like a collection of, um, almost different people writing about how things were or different accounts of how things were at the time was the impression I got, but I didn't read too much into it. It's from like 1927 or something like that. Good, yeah. Fair enough. Um, Keenan, which film made the bigger impact? Gangs of New York. TK? Yeah, gotta be Gangs of New York, doesn't it? Keenan, best opening scene? Gangs of New York. I agree. TK? Well, I will give some credit to um, the opening scene from Gangster Squad. Best opening scene, TK? Yeah, Gangster New York again. One uh, of the best, you know, it's up there with the best scenes in the film, so it has to be, I think. Keenan, best ending? Oh, I like the ending of Gangster Squad. I know you're not a fan now that you've realised this. No, no, I'm, I'm still a fan, just not quite the same. Uh, TK, what about you? I think both could probably have done better, but Gangster Squads is better of the two. And Keenan, best chemistry. Edge towards Gangster Squad. TK? Yeah, I think even like Brolin and Gosling do have some chemistry between them when they do get together, so I'll give okay. that just about the edge. Yeah. I think the common denominator is Ryan Gosling. Some boy, any some boy. Like, no, he's got all of this, but he's also just like, he's actually just charming, but like not in like a, not in like the normal way. I think you can just stick him on screen with people, and it just works. Just yeah. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. him anything where he's not like ad lock, off the wall chemistry with people. I think him and him and Crow in the Nice Guys is just absolute magic. We've got, um, we've got that I'm coming as, up. I'm you gonna jump, you jump on the pod? I. I'm just holding that film as probably anyone's. So oh, if I'm the, about that week, I'm happy to because that's a great film. It is a great well, film. Gangs of New York does take it 8 6 Oof. overall through to the next round. And next week, Keenan, we have The Town, mm. one of the best heist films ever made, up against Now You See Me, which I don't know if you've seen, does not sound Steve. like your cup of tea to me. Is it the Jesse Eisenberg thing? Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen number two as well. Yeah, it gets a bit more. Uh, I'd say it gets a bit more ridiculous in the second one. It is still about magicians in the first one. Mm-hmm. But I think the town. This is a genuine question for you. Do you think the town is the film that you we share the most love over? Uh, I don't know, but I, I do really like the town. So I think it's got to be up there because there's a yeah, lot of great that film. we both like. Where like, but one of us. Which. It's impressive because like, I do despise Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I know you do. But one of it, there's like films that we both like and both love, but they like that. The, I'd say the probably Goodfellas would probably be. Yeah, no, the but main like one, one of us. You're one convinced of us, I hate it, really. So one of us loves that far more than the other. <laughs> right, that's just true. It does like that is actually just true. I don't. I've never met anyone that likes that film as much as I do. Um, I'm sure there are people because it's fucking ridiculous films like the best film ever made. But I've never actually met anyone. Whereas I think this is like high enough on both our lists that it might be our, our biggest shared appreciation. Well, we'll get into it next week. So thank you again for listening to another edition 
of Movie Madness. We'll be back. Goodbye.